It's Tuesday, August 16th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family just dropped the Air Lindells version 2. Now, exclusively at MyPillow. When you enter promo code STEAK at checkout, you get massive savings. In addition to that, if you're more of a breakfast person, a morning person, my coffee is now at the My Store. Enter the same promo code. Receive 25% off your total order. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website for the slippers. And MyStore.com forward slash steak is the website for the coffee. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear in the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Audison. Whether you're gaming, potting, having a cold beer get those ear needs taken care of and done upright odyssey.com is the website you can find them on facebook and instagram as well mike down at west coast survival arms has been servicing southern california for over a decade he's a licensed ffl if you're in the tradesies and don't live in canada he's also got a five-star rating newly redesigned easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com he's on facebook messenger and via the telephone 619-870-6992 Steak for Breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. The gold standard of tactical flair. We found at Dumpbox. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. They're on Facebook. They're on Facebook Messenger and Instagram as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified account on True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 161. I'm Roan. Noah's going to be here today. Antoinette's joined us. Guys, we've got a great show. Tons of news. We'll be sitting down with Joe Ken a little bit later. 
Uh, but before we get into anything, we're going to be jumping right into a steak exclusive segment with none other than Miss Christina Bob. All right, joining us first on the show today, she's an attorney at Save America. She works for the 45th President of the United States. She's one of our great friends. She's been a little busy lately, but she's back on steak for breakfast. Miss Christina Bob, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> We've been uh, tracking you a little bit, and, and it's, <laughs> it's pretty weird. We've been seeing you uh, a lot more on television than we're used to. Uh, I like it, but uh, <laughs> it's not probably for the best reason. So how's everything been going on your end? Uh, well, things are actually good. I mean, other than President Trump's home getting raided, uh, you know, everything else <laughs> I would say is going quite well. I do think uh, we've largely won the narrative. Of course, the left is pushing their propaganda and trying to create something out of nothing. But I think the American people see through it. I think the FBI has lied, you know, five too many times. And People, people just aren't buying it. So from that perspective, yeah, I, I am. I'm doing a lot more media, um, largely because people want to hear the truth and they want to hear what we've got to say. So I'd say, you know, all in all, it's it's going well. How does it feel? Uh, you know, before we get into the serious stuff, I always watch the funniest stuff. How is it like getting on television and having some of those rhino pundits try to drag information out of you well i actually think everyone's been pretty fair I, you know i'm not doing we're not doing like the true fake news like cnns right. and msnbc's like that's just ridiculous they they don't there's nothing fair or uh real about those news casts so i i avoid them um but for the most part i've done everything that's like truly central or you know conservative news. And I, I think they've all been fair. You know, people ask tough questions, but I don't think they have been unfair questions. So, um, yeah, I, I have thought every interview has gone well. And I, I think I'm putting the information out there to answer people's questions. I hope so. That's my goal anyway. Uh, so I, I'd say it's all going well. Yeah, you, you sound great. And, and I, I always believe that when you're giving the answers, the, the context is good. It's just what I'm trying to say is when I watch it, it's Okay, so like a month ago, it's like kind of a narrative we talked about with Steve Bannon. So it's like, you know, Steve Bannon was like, we all know that this is a completely false narrative, but it's one that the mainstream media, the legacy media has portrayed, that he was one of the major instigators of January 6th. Like last month, that mm -hmm. was literally the narrative, everywhere from Fox <laughs> News to CBS Sunday Morning. Like his face, Peter Navarro's face, a whole bunch of people directly connected to President Trump's face, They were that, that was it. And then this happened, yeah. and you see like, you know, Steve Bannon getting called by Fox News to come on and give his talking points. And I, I just yeah. think it's funny. They try to push President Trump out of the news cycle. And then, you know, it, it, <laughs> and then like, they raid his house. yeah. And the yeah. narrative's kind of blown up in, in their faces because now you can't get him out of the news cycle. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, the Department of Justice and the, the elitist swamp of Washington, D.C., they're like the wily coyotes that just can't get their roadrunner. And like everything they do, President Trump just thrives and does better and better so uh you know if it weren't so tragic to what they're putting our country through it would almost almost be comical but uh unfortunately they're very very real consequences and they're dragging our nation through an experience that we shouldn't have to experience but but we are so we're dealing with it we're doing it and you know you guys are doing your part we're doing our part i think everyone you know a patriot American patriots that love this country are doing everything we can to correct the trajectory. And I think we're doing it. And I, I'm really looking forward to November. Yeah, so are we. 
So let's get let's get into this. So obviously everybody knows what happened last week with the actual event. But since right. since we've kind of walked away and, and let the dust settle a little bit, we've seen, you know, several weird components that have come out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yesterday it was reported. I mean, you can confirm if you want. You can obviously no comment if you want. Were some of Donald Trump's passports returned to him that were taken in, in the original raid? Yes, they were. I, I was informed last night that they were returned um, sometime yesterday. Did, did you like how they waited just over the weekend so they can get through all the Sunday morning news shows? Because <laughs> I heard definite indictments coming, and the only time this happens is because when the Department of Justice feels like Donald Trump is a flight risk, they were able to take that narrative and run with it for like two days straight to just see that the passports were quietly returned, like in the 8 o'clock p.m. Right. Pacific time well, hour. I think it's ridiculous for the, you know, of course, I heard that narrative as well. I don't think it was the prevailing narrative, but I did hear it. But it's also like, okay, so I know a lot of the liberal pundits putting that out are attorneys or have attorneys on their show talking about it. And like, that's not the way you keep him from fleeing the country. You can't violate your own search warrant, (laughs) steal his passports and then be like, well, we, we needed him anyway. Like legally, it doesn't work that way. So the fact that they were even putting that story out there shows that they have zero journalistic integrity and zero legal integrity that there was nothing in the search warrants calling for the search or seizure of passports. They just did it. They overreached, they overstepped, they took way more than they were authorized to take. And, you know, then they had to return it and to your point they allowed these crazy liberals to come up with you know concoct some stupid story about how they're trying to prevent him from leaving the country but none of it was true none of this has been true from the beginning as far as you know there's there's no crimes committed donald trump isn't guilty of anything if he was they would have done something to him long ago they've been trying for years so it's just you know this is same song 12th (laughs) verse and here we go so another thing I want to ask you to confirm, there were no WMDs found on the premises of Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, that is that is correct. Unless they fit in a banker's box. Oh, okay. Uh, that's about all they could take out. They, they weren't they Anyone? weren't stashed behind like a, a couple of Melania Trump's dresses or anything like that. Um, they may have been, or like you know, slid in it slid in the pencil drawer of his desk or something. You know. Wherever you know, you know where you typically store your weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> did, did, any, did anyone draw a mustache on one of Trump's passports? I want to know. <laughs> that's, oh that's funny. Well, I'll ask. I'll ask. Funny. You know, um, we we take a lot of pride in some of the memes we put out here at Steak for Breakfast, and, and I, I send you some of them, Christina. I mean, yeah, you've got a strong meme game. I like it. Out of all the memes that I put out over the course of the weekend, I literally took some crappy. Dick Cheney quote from the 90s the first time that they were feuding with Iraq and I literally cut and pasted into Truth Social and I took like just like a stock image of Dick Cheney's face and I changed the word from Iraq to Mar-a-Lago and it got shared like thousands of times and then I do like the organic memes and I put them out there and it's like nah it gets shared a little bit and I was like well it was funny when I made it but I, I guess the people, you know, some people were like, oh, my God, this guy's still alive and like took it literally. But there was a lot of people who just knew it was funny because I had just changed the uh, geographic location to Mar-a-Lago. Right. All right. Well, let's talk about some other things. Day of. I mean, obviously, you're standing at the end of the driveway getting your sweat on at least uh, yeah. while this is going on. Now, we have been able to 
uh, to confirm it because Eric Trump's done the news cycle several times. So the whole issue with the uh, closed circuit TV cameras and security systems throughout the facility at Mar-a-Lago's, um, they, they were probably, well, they were briefly turned off, but for the most part on. Um, I heard Eric Trump on, on the news last night saying when the time is right and they need to release them, they will. Uh, do you feel like... Have you seen them, or do you believe that there was anything? I mean, obviously, the entire thing is is literally misconduct. But actually, in you know the event, do you think anything happened that that would kind of like go within the parameters of of misconduct? Uh, well, I don't think they had probable cause, and that's Correct. why I'm very curious to see this affidavit. I think the whole thing was illegal. Um, so, as far as misconduct goes. Yeah, I, I don't think they had proper authority to do the raid in the first place. And even though they had a warrant, that you know that's the big uh, talking point against it. Oh, well, they had a warrant, right? But were they honest with the judge to get the warrant? Did they disclose to the judge that we had been extremely cooperative? We'd allowed them in. We'd allowed them to see the storage facility and said, if there's anything else you want to see, let us know. We're happy to oblige. We'll cooperate. Like, did they tell the judge that we'd been extremely cooperative and that President Trump himself appeared to tell them in person that he was willing to let them have access to anything they wanted access to? They just needed to ask. I'm guessing, I don't know, but my hunch is they probably left that part out when they asked for the warrant, which... I, I would say is dishonest. That means that the judge didn't have all of the proper information that he needed in order to sign this thing. And I don't think they have an informant. I think they probably pulled together a handful of pieces of information and, and slapped it together as an affidavit. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think, I think the whole thing was wrong. Yeah. We had, we had heard parts of that too. Uh, it's, it's just breaking like late, you know, parts of, uh, the Department of Justice kind of went off of parts of a Molly Hemingway piece and then strung them together with uh, maybes and hearsays to kind of build their narrative, uh, which, which when she put out the piece was a counter narrative to what they actually did. But it, it's just really crazy to see how this all went down and, and why. Um, you know, we joked about it last week. Seriously, though, um, you know, you don't have to go and, and look at, like, the Discovery Channel and the History Network to see, like, grainy videos of what happened during Watergate. We're, like, literally reliving something like it in real time right now. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's something that's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like a drive-by headline. But it, but it is true. I mean, the, the way that they're trying to purge political candidates and, and legitimate rivals is something like we may have never seen before in this country. Yeah, We've, we have never seen anything like this. I mean, the fact that they've been trying for years to get Donald Trump, you know, on some type of crime, which he hasn't committed. And before he even took office, they were talking about impeachment. I mean, the level of the, the level that they're willing to stoop to to try to get their political opponent goes to show how arrogant they are. They're just so arrogant to think that they can keep going and keep going. You know, they tried Russia, Russia, Russia. They tried Crossfire Hurricane. They tried, uh, you know, tapping his campaign line, tapping his campaign workers. They've tried, you know, lying to Congress, lying to the FISA court. I mean, they've tried so many different things and it's not working. At what point do, do they have any conscience at all to say, you know what, maybe we're going kind of far and should just stop. <laughs> but they they seem to have no conscience and no regard for uh, for the American people who care very much about Donald Trump. Yeah, and you've seen it from the outpour of 
not only supported Mar-a-Lago, but the way people have come out pretty much across the country to either weigh in on it or, or show their support for the president in the yeah. form of, you know, roadside rallies. They, they've been following Joe Biden around for the last, you know, six days over there in, in South Carolina on his vacation, making his life miserable. And I'm actually <laughs> glad that they're doing it because it, it's well-deserved. Yeah, they're making our lives miserable. So share the pain. So talking about this affidavit right now, uh, it's mm-hmm. yet. To, it's not released. It, there's right. doesn't look like it, it. At least in the near future, it's going to be. Um, this is obviously hurting their own investigation because, well, first of all, I mean, you obviously got to hear and then probably dissect in your own head. You, you're obviously well versed in the legalese that jumbled up statement Merrick Garland gave last week where he talked about it weighing heavily on his soul and this was a matter of like imminent national security they like kind of tried to spin the whole weapons of mass destruction or or like nuclear codes narrative into that And, and it's just like but then you said you waited like what two weeks or 18 days and it weighed heavily on you it just like made no sense and then obviously the back end was a rant about please stop making fun of the FBI and, and federal <laughs> law enforcement at all of your rallies, which is so important to the, like literally the purview of this investigation and probably right. non-legitimacy of it. When, when you get to see that, like that's the highest ranking law enforcement official in the United States. And obviously someone who is, is supposed to be, you know, revered in this country. And then when you, when you see a statement like that, after having gone through the experience, how much of a, like more of a joke does it make this whole thing? You're exactly right. When I saw Merrick Garland's statement, it kind of snapped things for me. You know, when you're in the middle of it, like last Monday, a week ago, when I was out there watching the raid and and interacting with these agents and the AUSA that was out there, your mind goes to a hundred different places. Like, what are they looking for? What is this all about? You know, trying to rack my brain for anything to make it make sense. And there was nothing, nothing to make it make sense. And then when you see Merrick Garland's statement, it was kind of like a, oh, it doesn't make sense because you don't actually have anything. He he looks like he was taking responsibility for a complete disaster. And that's when I thought, okay, they really don't have anything. I actually think that the FBI thought that this would stay quiet. You know, the grand jury subpoena stayed quiet. No one leaked that. True story. No one leaked to the June meeting. And I actually think that they thought they were going to get away with this without anyone knowing they were going to do a... a an illegal search as far as like expand. We know they expanded the search outside of the warrant because they took passports. They took attorney client privilege. Like they took stuff they weren't supposed to take, which now they have to return. So we know they expanded their authority and went beyond what the warrant permitted. And I actually think they thought they were going to get away with it without anybody knowing because the grand jury subpoena didn't leak, which is so beyond me how they could possibly think that they could raid the president's personal residence and no one's going to say anything and no one's going to make a big deal about it. Uh, So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they, I I don't think that they were intending on putting the information out, which should scare every American to think that they thought they could do this privately without people knowing is shocking and appalling, but I think it's possible that, that that's what they were hoping for, that they could just do this without, without anybody knowing, without any oversight, without anybody, you know, being alerted to the fact that they're completely violating all of our fourth amendment rights. Yes, it was president Trump's personal residence and it was his personal uh, rights that were violated, but they violated our nation. They they violated our, our, ideal our constitution of we don't have unlawful searches and seizures and so every american paid with that uh, last week so 
Um, I thought Merrick Garland's statement really pointed it, it kind of solidified for me in my own mind. They don't have anything. This was a fishing expedition because they've never had anything. And, uh, I, I don't, I think whatever they were hoping to find or whatever they were hoping to get, uh, one doesn't exist. And two, now they can't use it. Cause I think it was an illegal search. No, I agree with you there. I did hear you mention attorney client privilege. And, and the thing that sucks is, Okay, so they seized documents probably outside the the jurisdiction of of whatever documentation they had, the warrant. And Mm -hmm. they're going to return it to you guys. But just knowing, like, human beings and, like, the reality of it. Now that they have it, they're obviously going to go through it. They're going to probably scan it, copy it, and have it. And now they're going to continue to leak it to places like the Washington Post and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, the Atlantic, to continue to build false narratives about things that should have never gotten out in public before. And I think it's really horrible. You know, th- th- there's it's interesting. They try to spin even the fact that Donald Trump had reached out to the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland in an attempt to kind of lower the temperature uh, yeah. of the nation right now because – even he sees it like it gets past the save America rallies. It gets past the hard hitting policy speeches he's given like at SAS and at the America first legal Institute over the last, you know, couple months and stuff like that. It goes into these things he's saying are legitimate. And if we can't kind of like, at least in back room context, meet in the middle somewhere on it, there's a, there's a likely chance that some of this gets spin out of control. Yeah. Well, two points to that. You're exactly right. And I think that's why President Trump, you know, had his attorneys reach out on his behalf to Merrick Garland and say, look, like we've, we have got to come together on this because you're destroying our nation. You're destroying people's faith in our government leaders. And of course, the Department of Justice uh, <laughs> blew it off and, and didn't listen. Um, but I also think it's interesting to your point about the Department of Justice leaking information. They continue to leak half truths yep. and partial information hoping to distract the American people from the fact that they still have not given us an explanation for why they raided the president's home. I mean, that is the question of the day. Why did you do it? Why did you raid his home? Not, Oh, there might be other documents or, Oh, you know, like all this speculation, stop leaking half truths and speculation and actually just get up at your podium and tell the American public what they need to know. And the hard reality is they probably don't have a good reason, which is why they haven't done it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like in a perfect world, it would be, they would have to go up there and say, this is what we were going after. This was our target. This was our probable cause. And at the end of the day, we found that to be not true, unfounded. We relied on incorrect information or, you know, intelligence or data and it goes, well, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. It's like the longest standing narrative around Donald Trump and they just continue to invent the crimes. We all see the man, but, you know, up to this point, still nothing has stuck. Side note to this. um, So you obviously you saw what happened with Scott Perry over the last Mm -hmm. week, too, which which should continue to terrify the general public. You know, uh, it's one of those things. Like what, which Democrats had their phones seized and which Democrats had their homes seized or cars raided. Uh, I I mean, any, well, I I just want to know if he paid for, so the way Disney world works now is so you can, you pay for the ticket, but to go on the fast pass for all the rides, it's like literally 20 bucks a person per ride. So he's, he's a family of four. So now you're talking about like what, 
80 bucks a ride? Did he prepay for his fast pass and then they took his phone while he was on vacation? So now he doesn't oh. get to use like double paying for the fast pass. It's just sad. That's that's a very serious concern, Ronan. But I, I appreciate <laughs> your uh, your concern. And I'm not I'm not trying to make light of it. I guess I just did, but no, I'm sorry. I, for reals though, joking aside, this should like the way I was looking at it and, and some of the some of the narrative. We all know people like Kevin McCarthy is very vanilla when it comes to this stuff. We obviously saw yeah. his weekly worded statement last week that you at know, least he made a statement. I'll give him that. There were plenty of rhinos that's like just ignored Bueller, it. Bueller, like yeah. where are you guys? And, and that is true, but the fact of the matter is, I, I think I hope. And we all know sometimes these inner circles are not the best advisors. Right. People are telling him, like, when they're done with you, and, and at some point they will be, like, you're going to be experiencing some of the same stuff. Uh, they will just make a fake narrative like, oh, we, we've received uh, information that there are direct messages between, you know, let's just say Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy regarding fill in the blank and whatever fake narrative or lie they want to make up. Yeah. And then they'll be going through his house and his congressional offices yeah. and, and taking That's all... Right. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, no one's safe in this point right now. Obviously, they've showed that. We, we've seen some unprecedented, unconstitutional, and, and at the end of the day, it's going to turn out to be probably illegal things that happened out at Mar-a-Lago last week. And if they could do that to literally the 45th president of the United States, they yeah. can do it to anybody. And they have been doing it to people. I that's mean, That's exactly right. They have been doing it to people. And I mean, they've been doing it to ordinary citizens for years, abusing their power. But now we're seeing it to the Peter Navarros, the Steve Bannons, Victoria Tunzing, the Rudy Giuliani's like yep. anybody who poses a threat to their ideology uh, feels the wrath of the United States federal government. And that is wrong. And they need to be held accountable for it. Yeah, we're going to get into Rudy Giuliani a little bit later in our new segments of the show. They've made not only that man's life miserable, but literally anyone that's ever worked for him in like the last five years' lives miserable as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems like they're trying to rope him. We saw um, Senator Lindsey Graham, Lady G, as he's referred to on this show, uh, you know, kind of getting roped back into that whole Georgia thing. But it's just like, again, if there were crimes, like literal crimes, crimes that could possibly challenge or, or or put at risk national security, these things all would have been handled like very swiftly yeah. and a long time ago. They they have nothing. They continue to, you know, rather rinse, repeat, and try the same old thing the way they did it before that didn't work the last time. Oh, but maybe people's emotions have changed now, so maybe we can get a different emotional reaction. They try again. They don't. They get the same reaction of, you know, a big fat yawn. Nothing happened. Uh, and yet they keep trying. I mean, and they're going to try and try and try until November. We've got to get through November and we've got to get some uh, real American leaders. I don't even want to call them Republicans. Just any, I don't care if they put Democrats in, but um, as long as they're real Americans that are, you know, are patriots and love what we stand for. I don't think the Democrat Party is allowing those kinds of people to run at the moment. But uh that's who we need. I mean, we just need people to save our constitutional freedoms. And, you know, I know you just had Joe Kent on. And I mean, he's a great example of a rising star who I think will will do just that. He'll stand for American freedoms and make sure the people of Washington, and the rest of the country keep their freedoms. Yeah, they certainly are. These midterm elections are probably a lot more important than ones in, in modern time. It's, it's pretty funny. I was talking with someone online last night. I believe it was on Twitter. There, there was like a thread where they were talking about 
okay, well, some of the major influencers are out there making fun of the new Dr. Oz campaign commercial. And a couple of them, you know, dogpiled on. There was like four of the major influencers, probably five or six million user account reach between the four of them. And they were just, you know, ripping this thing apart. But that's like primary season rhetoric. And, and we're in general election season now. And it's a numbers game. Like there's a huge difference between, even though it doesn't change the balance of power, one Senate seat in the U.S. Senate because we are working on a blueprint and, and kind of heading down that road. You've talked about it, Christina. Long game by 2026. We could have supermajority in the Senate with over 60 Senate seats, but it starts yeah. with not giving up ones that are, that are crappy. And we all know, and we've talked about it before, Dr. Oz may not be the most attractive MAGA candidate, but it's like you talk to so many people who run on like a little bit lighter version of MAGA because of where they are. A lot of the America First candidates who won in places like right. Illinois and, and in larger cities and stuff like that, you know, if, if their message is resonating with the people, then you don't have to like rip open your shirt and have like the Donald Trump tattoo on the middle of your chest. You you have to do your job, get through the primary, win the general election, and then actually do what you're going to what you told Donald Trump and the American people you said you're going to do, which is vote for MAGA policies, America first, yeah. and then go in the direction of vote of leadership, how the America first wing of the party feels it should go. And those are two things that we've heard from multiple sources that Dr. Oz in his conversations with Donald Trump has said. And at the end of the day, if that's it, then boom, he's the candidate. Everybody needs to get behind him. And I was saying like, just in the last 18 months, we've revolutionized and streamlined primaries in midterm elections like it's never been done before like right. you don't see house candidates that are running in like some obscure house district getting on fox news repeatedly being in the national news cycle like you know being part of roundtable discussions on like legacy media talk shows but here all these candidates are and, and and just the way the the day of voter turnout is going and the amount that they're all winning by in their primaries it's it's pretty impressive to say how, how donald trump has gone and kin made this entire election cycle but how it's really resonating with the people yeah, he really has. And, uh, you know, to your point about the influencers and them still talking about primary language, it comes down to we need real leadership in this country. Donald Trump's the one providing it. So you either get behind Trump or you're in the way, you know, and just get out of the way. I don't care if you're in love with the candidate he picks. He's the leader of this movement. And if you really are an America first patriot that uh, that is part of the movement, Donald Trump's the leader of it. So just support who he has selected, whether you like it or not. I mean, maybe that's the the military in me. You know, who cares? Like, you, you don't, there's no discussion about this. You know, the American people get to make their voice known and um, they, they get to voice their opinion. And he certainly listens to that and weighs it. But at the end of the day, it's his decision. He picks who he wants. He picks who he thinks the right person is. And, you know, take it or leave it. And you can leave it. I'm not saying you you have to follow him or you have to vote for who he wants to vote for. But who are you going to vote for? The communists? Yeah, and, and I always go back to the fact, like, you, you see people who haven't won their house races or ones that have lost very close ones. I always use the yeah. the example of Madison Cawthorn. He, he lost, like, a race where it was, like, just a, just a little bit over 2%. Imagine you took half of that time you dedicated to making fun of people like Dr. Oz and, and focused a little bit of that attention positively on Madison Cawthorn's, uh, you know, race. You, you got more people to donate. You may have went down and, and even, you know, supported him like the way some of the, uh, you know, candidates did and how Donald Trump did when he had the rally there. 
he probably would have got over the finish line. And and regardless on whether or not you like Madison Cawthorn, it's like the same thing, you know, but reverse with Dr. Oz. Guess what? He's always voting with the, with the MAGA agenda. And and yeah. that's that's and Donald Trump adored him. Like we saw the way they, that they interacted when he was on stage at the rally there in North Carolina for like Ted Budd and all those guys. And uh, yeah, you know, there, there's there's it's real. And, and those are the people that you want in the party because you know, well, with Donald Trump, number one, trust and loyalty. So he knows he's got that from somebody like him. But yeah, it, it it's just a shame. We we hope it kind of like slows down because what's the alternate? I mean, Fetterman. Right. First of all, he's a health risk. Second of all, he's to the left of Bernie Sanders and and told Joe Biden, I'm going to have Bernie campaign with me. Please don't come out to Pennsylvania. I don't want you at any of my events. Right there, it should be hard stop. Like, what else do you need? Um, yeah. I, I don't think some of those crazy socialist policies are going to really resonate with middle class, hardworking families that are getting destroyed in Pennsylvania right now. But that's yet to be seen. I think what, what these influencers do is they turn a race that would probably be Oz 5% win to like, two-ish percent win general election day but you know that's just me kind of forecasting i i I think it's just really in bad taste that they've taken like a couple candidates and then in the same sense they all go out and tweet like wonderful things about donald trump that they know donald trump will probably see because of their massive reach and i just think it's stupid but uh you know it's not the things we need to be worrying about it's like you said it's all hands on deck all the uh, all the candidates aren't going to be necessarily sexy but at the end of the day we still have to support them because of what it's a numbers game right now yeah i think i think that's a very good assessment i completely agree so I, I know you don't have all day, but we do have you for a little bit more, Christina. I do. I don't want to just like grill you about Mar-a-Lago, but we can yeah. like we can bust a little bit of the narrative on it. I did pull a couple audio clips so we could like pseudoy do the news because okay. A lot, so and I'm gonna try and use the pronouns that Donald Trump uses when I describe a lot of these news air quoting outlets that I pulled these from. So on Sunday it was CBS Deface the Nation. Um, they're talking in a round table about how. Um, you know, this whole narrative in no way, shape, or form is deterring Donald Trump from a 2024 run, which we all know but can't confirm is the case. But they're using it as, like, this is his, like, escape route. He's just going to say he's running for president, and, and this is going to, like, save him from anything criminally. When we all know, at the end of the day, that's not true. If real crimes were ever committed for anyone, and we're not talking about Donald Trump specifically— if you announce that you're running for president, it doesn't save you from like committing those crimes and eventually being, you know, caught and and sure. put through the justice system. But this is kind of like the way they spin the narrative. Let's hear it and then uh, see how they were trying to shape everybody's weekend. Would like to run again and is making some plans to run for president in 2024. How does this impact that? This is factoring into his decision in some way. I'm told by people close to him this weekend that he's still moving toward an announcement, despite all of the legal challenges he is facing. Potentially, so this isn't damaging. Well, we're not saying it's not damaging. You see, this could be extremely damaging. We have so little visibility into what he put in these boxes. Was it a, a grave national security threat? It could be politically explosive down the line, but we don't want to get ahead of that in terms of the political impact. But in no way does it seem to be deterring him from moving toward a run. What we are seeing behind the scenes also is he's arguing that he has some kind of declassification. I spoke with National Security Advisor, the former one, John Bolton, who worked for Trump, Mm -hmm. and he said any argument that this was somehow declassified won't hold up because he said the president had the responsibility to take care of the records he was given from intelligence briefers, even if he brought them back to the residence, he had a responsibility responsibility to make sure they were filed properly and that even if he didn't have the intent of committing a crime that it was the wrong thing to do 
Isn't it so, so irresponsible? are wrong on both the law and the facts. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> just minor things like that. Uh, on the law. facts. Right. So on the law, you know, I, I love that they're using John Bolton as their their legal analysis and their legal analysis is incredibly flawed. But um, Donald Trump doesn't owe an explanation to anybody about when or how he declassifies. And also notice John Bolton wasn't there at the end. Uh, so legally, they're trying to make it sound like he could have legal exposure. But the way he phrased it at the end, he said, um, it may have been the wrong thing to do. Okay, fine. Call it whatever you want, but that's not a crime. Uh, and he doesn't, he doesn't owe anyone a log of his decision. It's just him in his mind deciding to declassify something. The other thing is, um, packing his own boxes. He's like, we need to know what Donald Trump put into these boxes. They're such liars. You know, they're so like sneaky. Do you honestly believe for a second that Donald Trump packs his own anything, <laughs> let alone like his storage unit? He didn't pack any of this stuff. Oops. The nuclear football fell in there. Yeah. Imagine that. Stop. We've already debunked that. Christina, one thing we, we can confirm though is so Bill Clinton removed 14 million documents from the White House when he left, in addition to a lot of apparently the furniture that was there at the time. Right. And the, well, know. the same thing with Barack Obama, over 33 million documents have been taken to Chicago and were promised to be digitized and returned to the National Archives. And I've not been able to find a source that has confirmed that any of that's been done from either of the former presidents on the other side of the aisle. It's, it's very... Uh, Interesting to see how, you know, Donald Trump has a few boxes of stuff, but these guys literally have tractor trailers full of documents. And yeah. uh, we've yet to see any kind of the same treatment be given to either one of them. Yeah, it's just another example of the blatant hypocrisy uh, that the swampy elitists in Washington, D.C. use against Donald Trump. Trump derangement syndrome is a very real thing, and they have outed themselves so many times for not being fair and not being honest when it comes to conservatives, particularly President Trump, that they're blinded by by their Trump derangement syndrome. They don't even realize that the American people can see right through what they're doing at this point, and they continue to drive in the wrong direction and push through and say, no, 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 we're doing it right. We're doing it right. No, you're not. And everybody in the country, everybody in the world recognizes exactly what they're doing. And they're waiting to see if, if the United States falls to this, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, I'll change my word choice there. We'll call it a socialist regime an elitist go. socialist regime. And, uh, I, I don't think we will. I think we're absolutely going to save this great nation because of folks like you guys doing what you do. Um, but, you know, they're trying. They're trying to steal it. Yeah, speaking of stealing it, they, they had a little also roundtable on fake news CNN this Sunday, which talked about, well, they had they call them extremism experts. And I don't want to lead too much into it. it, it it's a short clip. Extremism experts? How do you become an extremist expert? Let's hear it. Republicans have come out. Uh, you know, trying to sow distrust of the FBI and of law enforcement, trying to attack the Justice Department as though this is not a fair investigation. And, you know, as I've talked to extremism experts and experts in what actually starts civil war, which we heard calls of that from some Trump supporters after the FBI raid, uh, the search, was that, you know, ultimately when elected officials say things like that and s try to sow distrust about the institution and about the justice system, that that can lead to uh, Trump supporters to have no trust in democracy, which then, you know, leads to a further degradation of, of the republic. 
says the same party who called to defund the police, defund ICE, get rid of the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, they literally campaigned and, and propagated the narrative to defund you know, conservative portions of the government for four years while Trump was in office, their sacred holy grail of elitism, the FBI, the Department of Justice, suddenly is, you know, immune to criticism. And to be fair, none of the criticism that it has received has been wrong. Like what everything we've said has been completely accurate. So factually speaking, I'm not sure why, like, I'm not sure what she's talking about as far as like, we're trying to sow distrust. We are not trying to do anything. The FBI and Department of Justice have sowed enough distrust all on their own. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I wonder if if she went and uh, asked John Bolton for some insight onto that because it was just a few weeks ago that he had alluded to the fact that they, he's been part of, you know, groups in the past uh, and administrations in the past that have started civil wars and coups in other countries. So I wonder if that was one of the extremism experts she tapped. And, and again, yeah. he, he couldn't be more disconnected from reality than, than pretty much anybody. And we knew that throughout the course of, I mean, right. he told he told some and real he whoppers. And Trump has a bone to pick. So he's the perfect, uh, he's the perfect source for them. I mean, so the whole thing is ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, and it was actually something that when I saw it, I was like, Wow, they're really going for it. So Joe Scarborough on mm-hmm. MSDNC, he hosted a, a, a segment yesterday with none other than Peter Strzok, who we all know. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, to give him some insight on the whole, you know, what's going on with this FBI raid. And, and I was actually floored. It's like, okay, a lot of the- I can't believe you stomach this, Ron. Like, <laughs> how, how do you do it to listen to all this garbage? If, absolute garbage. If we don't- let our listenership hear the truth, then they're just going to continue to drive with, you know, with the drive by narratives. We we were telling everybody last week, you know, there's so many people who were out there like he must announce his presidency now. Like they had no nothing understand nothing about money and campaign finance laws. Unfortunately, some of them do, but they're just doing it like they all want to be me, me, me top of the news heap They're like i said it first action from donald trump donald yes. trump is not responding to democrats donald trump does what donald trump does on his own time in his own way when he wants to and they're trying to force action based on their action he's not going to do it he's had play like if he's you know going to announce he's going to do it when he planned on doing it how he planned on doing it and this doesn't factor into it so to them it makes them feel you know powerful and important if they think that donald trump has factored them into his decision making cycle and he hasn't like he just hasn't so no it's an excellent point you make and you guys aren't that important (laughs) (laughs) i hope you guys are listening let's hear uh (laughs) Well, someone who's actually really committed to crimes and, and probably did try to initiate a coup in this country. With the, uh, the um, what, what was that? Uh, I can't even remember it. Uh, the, <laughs> Text messages. What, just all the stuff. I, I can't believe that said Donald Trump did horrible things in Russia. The oh, still right, dossier. Right, right. Still dossier, which we didn't believe from the start, I must say. here. But I do want to read this first before you answer that question. It's from Wikipedia, and it talks about the Wall Street Journal uh, investigation. A comprehensive review in February 2018 of Strzok's messages concluded that tax critical of Mr. Trump represented a fraction of roughly 7,000 taxes. Uh, which stretch across 384 pages and show no evidence of a conspiracy against Mr. Trump. That is, of course, from um, 
Mr. Murdoch's Wall Street Journal. So uh, despite that fact, I put that out there. The FBI makes mistakes. The church makes mistakes. People make mistakes. They screw up. Uh, should this be any reason uh, for Americans not trust that what the FBI and the DOJ are doing now is in pursuit of protecting classified documents? Well, Joe, absolutely. The American public should trust what the FBI is doing. You know, what's funny is I think back the year and a half that I spent with the team looking at Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server. There was no concern. There was no outrage on behalf of any Republican as we used search warrants, as we went out and did a very invasive investigation to try and get to the bottom of what she did or didn't do. So it's not that the FBI is targeting any one side or the other. What you see is the FBI going out on a day in day out basis objectively investigating allegations of law it just so happens that the only thing that tends to come up in the right wing ecosphere whether in the media or on the hill or from president trump are those things where they take a personal affront because it directly impacts them there's absolute silence when the fbi is investigating former secretary clinton there's absolute silence when the fbi is doing things that isn't targeting them so i think this is a one side one sided narrative that has been developed and amplified particularly by President Trump, going back to yeah. 2015. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christina Bob, are you speechless? I am not speechless. I just <laughs> wanted to be very careful about my response. Um, well, I think he admitted that the reason people are in an uproar is because the FBI is targeting them. Yes. And the, like he said it exactly right. We know you're targeting us, which is why we're angry about it. So when you were in, quote unquote, investigating Hillary Clinton, we all knew it was a sham. We all knew the whole thing was completely fake and we were upset about it. The problem was there were too many rhinos in office who were willing to, you know, look the other way and not actually hold the Democrats accountable. And we're sick of it. We were upset then. We're upset now. And since the elected officials at the time wouldn't take measures into their own hands and wouldn't uh, wouldn't actually uphold the rule of law and wouldn't act as that checks and balance in our government, the American people have said, "Okay, fine, we're going to do it. And so the American people are stepping up and saying, we're going to check the authority of every single elected official. We're going to check the authority of our government. We're going to put people in power that uh, we believe have our interests in mind, because it's very clear. And Peter Strzok admitted to admitted to it. They don't have our best interest in mind. And so we have to fix that. No, it's, it's absolutely factual there. And, you know, the big, first of all, I hate the way, but, but it's almost comical now. They just rub our faces in it. They know that anyone who's, you know, really America first and, and, and MAGA and stuff like that, when, when they see someone as gaslighting as Joe Scarborough bring on literally one of the people that Donald Trump still references to this day in his Save America rallies as, as someone who was extremely destructive throughout the course of his presidency with the fake investigations and, and how they were able to just skate and to the point to where now they're writing books and doing, you know, legacy media, uh, you know, coming in as experts in, in certain things. It's, it's embarrassing. Are they extremist experts? Well, whatever that they obviously wrote the playbook for it, right? I mean, right. somebody was, was... Maybe that was the extremist expert. You know, they all use themselves as sources. Yeah. Cite themselves. Yeah. Well, and they use this example of, of going and investigating Hillary Clinton. It's like, well, 
yeah, you can investigate all you want, but if she destroyed the evidence, then what is there to investigate? Right. And no one did anything about it. No one cared. That, that's yeah. one of the points that I wanted to make today. I think it's where a lot of the legacy media is getting it wrong, Christina. You can agree to disagree with me, but, but hear me out. It seems like every time we lead into something that's going on with President Trump in regards to the way that the the Biden regime, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, you name it, they target him. They try to build and create these false narratives that turn out to be unequivocally false every single time. I think one of the biggest things that the legacy media is missing out on right now is leading in with like a 10-minute rant on Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's China dealing. Someone who's been a lawyer, someone who worked for the federal government, you were you know, a high-ranking official in the Department of Homeland Security, so obviously you worked with um, you know, the Office of Personal Management and stuff like that. Regardless of what anyone else has done in the past and how much you want to reference it when, let's just say, you get in trouble or under the spotlight, the only thing that can concern anybody is what is literally going on in this instance now. And if the, <laughs> if, if the government is going to make it where, like, they want to put Donald Trump under the spotlight, trying to bring all this other stuff into it and, like, make it the outer rim of what the argument is for why Donald Trump is not in trouble or didn't commit crimes or is in no wrong for, you know, using uh, executive privilege or, or his presidential powers or whatever. I, I just think it takes away from really getting to the bottom of what the situation is because we want to be focused on, like, we all know Joe Biden's a scumbag and Hunter Biden's even worse and Hillary Clinton's worse than both of them and all the bad stuff that they've done in the past. But anything that they've done, whether it even be like legitimate crimes, have nothing to do with what's going on to the president now. It's like everybody wants to do different stuff and talk about like, oh, I'm writing this book. I'm like talking about this narrative. We should do this, that, and the other thing when we should only be focused on the midterms right now. Like after November, we could start to get into like broadening the MAGA base. But as soon as you start getting distracted from anything other than getting this country back on the right track, you kind of lose a little bit of the essence of it. I think that's a fair criticism and a good point to make. I think uh, when people do that, to your point, it's mixing a little bit of apples and oranges. Sure. The apples are... The FBI, the Department of Justice, violated President Trump's constitutional rights. They abused their power. They were wrong to do the raid, right? And they're targeting him for purely political reasons. 100%. The oranges are, they don't do that with Democrats, and therefore they are, um, they are therefore they are abusing their power in another way. That, that point is to protect. That point is to prove that they're targeting their political opponents. Yeah. Right? So Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong. The other side of that is, Hillary Clinton did do something wrong and they're not targeting her. It, I, I agree with your point. I do think it's important to bring up both because it just goes to show that they are targeting their political opponents because their political allies have done far worse and they're not doing anything about it. No, you're right. And I, I think like it's OK for President Trump to bring it up because it literally happened against him. It's personal. But I just yeah. think when the, when the news cycle kind of like goes into these, they do like an hour long show outlining like all of the crack hookers and probably <laughs> misuse of the Secret Service Hunter Biden's done over the last decade right. or so. Like it, it, for me, it take like, OK, we all get it. We understand it. But like we re really need to focus what's going on like here and get to the bottom of this and find out why like this is happening to only our side. Like even Peter Strzok said it. He's like, oh, yeah, when we did the whole Clinton investigation, we did it. We did it quietly. And it's like, OK, so then why are you like turning this into a three ring circus with Donald Trump? Well, I think they were trying to do it quietly. Yeah. They honestly believed that they could invade his house with no one <laughs> knowing. Like, I genuinely believe that that's what they thought. They thought that it would remain hush-hush. They could just take whatever they wanted. 
he'd be quiet and mousy about it because Donald Trump is so quiet and mousy and they'd get away with it. I, I genuinely think that's a, what they thought would happen. You know, they're lucky. Well, what, they, are the, what are the repercussions of taking all the extra stuff that they weren't supposed to stay, take like the uh, privileged information and stuff like that, like between like lawyers and, and president Trump. Well, I they just have to, to give it back now. That's it. They have to give it back. And if they do try to bring a criminal case, I think there's a good argument that nothing can be used yep. because they went beyond the search. So um, I think it's a spoliation issue of like, did they spoil all of the evidence because they took too much? Um, I, I think quite honestly, the bigger thing is I hope it really causes Congress to take a look at this and it, it has to be from Congress. Congress is ha- who has to rein in a rogue executive branch. You know, it, it can't be Donald Trump gets back in office and he slashes everything because then he's doing what we're accusing them of doing, right? Targeting political mm-hmm. opponents. So it's got to be Congress. Congress has to step in and take a very serious look about how they want to handle the Department of Justice and what they can do to rein in what clearly has become a weaponized agency of the federal government. Yeah, that's why we really need to, like, I keep saying it. All this stuff is huge. It's really sad to see Donald Trump go through this again, but we're all conditioned for it. Obviously, no one more than him. And, uh, you know, we need to really focus on these midterms and get as many of these candidates over the finish line. Christina, last clip. It's It's a quick one. We've talked about people being sad. Apparently, this weekend, no one was more sad than Mr. Potato Head himself, Brian Stelter. He led a roundtable and was talking about how he's tired of MAGA being mean to the media and and, and to the government. Yeah, let's hear him real quick. Words. Oliver, you know what got short shrift this week? The House passing that historic climate bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. One of the components of the bill is a lot more funding for the IRS to hire tens of thousands of more IRS agents in order to try to make sure people are paying how much they're supposed to pay. What was that called on the right? It was called a terrifying overreach by the government. The reason I'm bringing it up is, mm-hmm. let's, just, let's just call it what it is. MAGA media's hatred of government is reaching a new high. When you have a combination of these FBI stories and the IRS getting a lot more funding. This is a new peak in terms of that anti-government sentiment. So it's no wonder that there's concern in, with inside government about security and about threats. Yeah, and I mean, the, the right's always advocated for small government. But in this case, it's, I think, the, particularly when you're talking about the FBI, it's not necessarily a pro-small government approach they're taking. They just want to defund the whole thing and, and abolish it because it's uh, probing a political a figure that they happen to support. And I, I think what you have to point out repeatedly, and I know we have, is that when the FBI was investigating Hillary Clinton, you know, they were very supportive of the FBI and of that investigation. And that was happening right before the 2016 election. Uh, Trump hasn't even declared yet, and they're basically, uh, you know, out there assaulting the FBI and yeah. attack, or, you know, with their words, but. We have Neil Bat. They can't even like get their sentences out right because they don't know what to say. He's actually shedding a tear for the IRS agent. Yeah, <laughs> like really, that's really what you want to go on is supporting armed IRS agents. Mm. Like, what kind of psycho psychopath elitist do you have to be to be like, no, really, armed IRS agents is a good thing? Well, that's another thing we like to tell our listenership: anyone on either side of the aisle who's in the legacy media, big print on television regularly, you know, the major corporations, even if they're championing like stuff like this, know at the end of the day, nothing that ever happens literally within the federal government, unless the FBI raids them, but like policy wise doesn't affect them. So their narrative always has like, you know, 
there's always like a but at the end of it because just look up net worth of anyone who goes on TV and talks about right. it all night. Yeah, like this isn't going to apply to me and no one's going to enforce it against me. Christi- yeah. Christina, last two things I need quick comments from you on. Number one, how did it feel to cheat on our show with Steve Bannon's War Room? Our listenership, so many oh. DMs. My kids were the one who told me the other day I was absolutely floored. My heart broke a little bit. It was on, <laughs> on my 45th birthday nonetheless. I, no I looked to the TV way. and there there's you and Steve Bannon split screen in my living room and my kids were literally like, Daddy, that lady that's on your show is on Steve Bannon's War Room. And I, I, I thought it was going to be like Liz Harrington or somebody. And I turned the corner and it was like, it was actually a weird feeling. I felt like I've never, be, I've only been cheated on like once in my you. life, twice now. Yeah. And I was just like, oh man. So no. I had no idea. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've done like a hundred other shows. No, he, he just, uh, he, he. What happens is he's just that special someone that I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to. I'm sorry. I no, you you definitely could go on there, and it's not that, but it just seems like we always let our <laughs> listenership know who's going to be on our show every episode, and literally over the course of the last what about two years now, Noah, day yeah. of. Or the last show the night before, like our entire lineup will go on the war room. Like carbon. Oh. <laughs> I'm talking about when we have random people on. They're like, like even like people like Norbin Laden. Like she hasn't been it's on any weird. shows. Yeah, like yeah, the day before she comes on our show, she's on Steve Bannon's war room. And it's you just, guys are vibing. You're vibing with Steve Bannon. I, I guess so. And <laughs> not a bad thing. Uh, no, it's it's not. I mean, we are going to try and get the band back together for 24. Last thing though, I think it's most important. A lot of our listeners start wearing more shirts. I, I can only wear two shirts. I can't wear three. Um, <laughs> Christina, you, you've met with, talked obviously with the president since all this happens. Like mm-hmm. on a person to person basis, we all know he's doing well. He's strong. He's good. How is he really doing though? I mean, this is a lot to go through. Can you give yeah. us like like a human aspect of like yeah. what, what the president's going through right now and just let our listenership know how, how he's doing? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It is a lot to go through, but he is doing well. I know a lot of his spokespeople have been saying that, and it it is true. You know, this is nothing new to him. This is not the first time President Trump has been targeted. It's, you know, it's, you know, you get angry every time it happens, but he's doing great. I mean, his his conduct should show you his frame of mind, right? Three days after they raided his home, he reached out through his lawyers to give a personal message to Merrick Garland of how can I help you heal this country and bring the temperature down? Like that really is his, his state of mind. He's like, we're just going to solve the problem. We're going to save the country. I will work with the Biden administration who just raided my home to do it. Uh, All he wants, his, his sole focus is to bring healing and peace to this country and he's doing what he can to do it. Yeah. I think the, it, the longer it takes for the regime that's in Washington, D.C. to kind of even, like, reach back and even see what he's talking about and if it's workable, yeah. uh, it, it, it's only going to hurt the situation more. I don't see, I don't, yeah. th- like, at the end of the day, it's political opponents. It's not like we're lining up on opposite sides of a physical battlefield and going to war right. with each other. It's rhetoric. It's it, yeah, it's rhetoric. Except it's the policy. They're trying to throw him in jail, but, you know, other than that. Besides that. <laughs> Yeah, and everybody else gets put in ankle chains. Christina, this right. has been awesome. We know you got a hard out sitting down with us as usual. Yeah. I'll, I'm already going to forward you some dates today for the next time you come on the show. We hope that you know you, you get a little bit of rest. We know how busy it is, but uh, you've been working really hard, and our listenership really loves hearing from you, and we love having you on the show. If you want to give out your social medias. Thank you so much. I love being on the show. Uh, you can follow me on uh, the mainstream social at Christina underscore Bob or truth and getter uh, at just Christina Bob. And thank you guys so much for having me. I love steak for breakfast and can't wait to come back on. And we can't wait to have you. This is the uh, attorney for save America working for the 45th president of the United States. Miss Christina Bob. Thanks for coming on steak for breakfast. Thanks guys.
Certainly not the stereotype. In fact, it's hard to believe that he voted for Donald Trump. We don't know. And it doesn't matter. We do know that when Alex Berenson started to post fact-based challenges to the lies Joe Biden was telling about COVID and then the COVID vaccines, the White House commanded Twitter to silence Alex Berenson. And Twitter soon did that. And we're not speculating about what happened. There are written exchanges that prove what happened. We're going to talk to Alex Berenson in a minute about the details. But the point is, this is illegal. No American government is allowed to collude with private business to silence its critics. Period. That is an unambiguous violation of the First Amendment. It's also a violation, of course, of Alex Berenson's human rights. And yet somehow this slipped beneath notice. The New York Times didn't write about it. Why would they? On some level, you understand because what happened to Alex Berenson has happened to many, many, many critics of the Biden administration in the past year and a half. They have been censored. They have been silenced at the direction of the White House. Think about what this means. These are acts of aggression and hostility aimed at Americans. No American president has ever done this. No American president has ever explicitly declared war on his own population. And yet for the Biden administration, it's a near weekly occurrence. Here's Joe Biden and his attorney general, Merrick Garland, telling you that white supremacists, in other words, Trump voters, because that's what they mean when they say white supremacists, a term they've never defined, white supremacists, Trump voters, are the single greatest terror threat the United States faces. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. According to the United States intelligence community, domestic terrorism from white supremacists is the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland. So not to be too literal, but this is on some level a news show. That's a lie. Mm. None of what you heard is true. There's not a single statistic or piece of credible research to support what Biden or his attorney general just said. Again, all of it is a lie. The truth, as usual, is the opposite. These are the people who created the crime wave America is suffering under, and now they're blaming you for it. And for good measure, they're disarming you because you cannot be trusted with guns because you're too dangerous. And just in case you missed the theme here, they're hiring another 87,000 armed IRS agents just to make sure that you obey. Got it? Got it? Is it clear? Amazingly, some Republican leaders still don't get it or pretend they don't get it. Here's Asa Hutchinson, still somehow the governor of Arkansas, in a holding pattern before he transitions to the Walmart board, assuring that the FBI is completely on the level. The FBI is simply carrying out their responsibilities under the law, a lawful search warrant uh, that uh, a magistrate uh, signed off on. And uh, they didn't go in there with FBI raid jackets. Uh, They tried to constrain uh, their behavior carrying out that warrant. So let's be uh, let's support law enforcement. Let's stand with them. Well, the FBI is just simply carrying out their responsibilities. Of course they are. Come on, will you support law enforcement? There's nothing to see here. That's the line. And no doubt Asa Hutchinson and Mitch McConnell and Dan Crenshaw and the rest of them will be telling you the very same thing when the Biden Justice Department or some other state law enforcement agency under their influence finally does what you know they're going to do, which is indict Donald Trump. Obviously, they're going to do that. Who knows how? Maybe they'll produce surveillance video from Mar-a-Lago. Apparently, they've already subpoenaed that. We'll spend the next year talking about how it shows Trump mishandling classified information. Really? On the server? Remember the endless Russia collusion hoax? We're in for a lot more of that. They'll scream at how Trump is a criminal. And if you express any support for him or 
any interest in retaining, I don't know, the rights of free speech and due process, you're a criminal too. In fact, you are the threat. You're the threat. And just mentioning that you disagree with what is happening is an attack on our government. That's their style. Just the other day, after signing off of the Mar-a-Lago raid, your attorney general, Merrick Garland, came on stage to whine about how actually he was the victim here. He's the victim. Apparently, some people disagreed with the raid. So the FBI, the most heavily armed domestic law enforcement agency in the world, is now under threat from you. Right. You're the criminal. Our critics are in jail, but I got anonymous threats on Twitter. Poor me. Passive aggression is the defining characteristic of the left. If they started putting people in camps, NBC News would cheer them on and then attack you for complaining about it. How dare you? <laughs> Violating our norms. We've always had camps. <laughs> As if to prove it, they prove it every day. But in the hours after Mar-a-Lago raid, the usual jackals on Twitter began demanding that Donald Trump should release the warrant that justified the raid. If you're not guilty, you'll show it to us. That's what they said. So Trump did it. He gave the warrant to Breitbart News, which printed it. And then the second the Breitbart piece went up, the very same jackals started screaming about how right-wing extremists are putting the lives of FBI agents in danger, <laughs> since those agents were named in the warrant, which is a public document. In other words, where are the victims here? Where are the victims? It's always the same. Except this time, unfortunately, it could be a little different. Indicting Donald Trump is a very big step. Not simply because a lot of people like him and he's the former president, but because indicting him at this point would be to reveal that this entire thing, and by thing we mean our justice system, is just transparently political. It's just a means to an end, a means to power. And people know that at this point. They've watched it. They understand what's happening. Even people who don't like Donald Trump, even people who didn't vote for Donald Trump and don't want to vote for him in 2024, they know and they can't unknow. And that means that we are at this point on the edge of something unprecedented and something awful. You could feel it. Even Donald Trump feels it. Maybe for the first time in his life, Donald Trump seems sincerely interested in lowering the temperature, not just for his own sake, but for the country's. He said that. He's never said anything like that. Maybe he doesn't mean it. But when has he ever said that? Let's all calm down a little, he said the other day. This isn't good. Yeah, he's right. It's not good, and not just for him, for all of us. This could get very bad, very fast. And the Biden people know that perfectly well. They know what could happen if they continue down this path of using law enforcement to cling to power. But they don't care because they're facing a repudiation from voters and they're desperate and they'll do anything. But at what cost? Pray they pull back before it's too late. That was part of Tucker's cold open last night. After taking a week off uh, for vacation, it is the summer. And this is steak for breakfast. We're jumping in now. Got the whole team here. First time in, I think, a month um, f on the back end of that steak-exclusive interview in the actual open of our show with uh, none other than great friend Miss Christina Bob. Noah, what's going on? Oh, you know, just doing the thing remotely now. Nice. How's forklift training going? You're in the final week now, right? A big test <clears throat> at the end of the week? <laughs> oh yeah, we uh, we picked some stuff up. We put it back down. Uh, went around in circles a couple more times. <laughs> it's, it's going pretty good. That's basically the test. Uh, if you if you put something down instead of picking it up, you might fail. Oof. I guess. It yeah, doesn't I'm, sound like it's too difficult for you. And that's our the lovely Antoinette joining us, guys. It feels great to uh, be back together again. I know I missed you guys. 
Yeah, we're we getting the band back together. Uh, well, apparently that's the theme. Um, and Tucker's theme last night was was piggybacking off of our stay exclusive with Christina Bob, who kind of unpacked the entire last week that was in regarding the Mar-a-Lago raid and what's going on in Trump world. Uh, it was good. So hold, let me let me jump in. Oh, run, run, run. So the Mar-a-Lago raid, they were they said they were trying to be low. I mean, so maybe just every time I Google FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, you know, all the stock footage that's used is, you know, flashing police lights, FBI raid jackets. Uh, I mean, are they not using footage from the actual raid? Like, have you seen footage from the actual raid? Were there FBI raid jackets? Because that's basically just what a, a windbreaker that says FBI on it. No, right? Like, I don't even know. I also saw like some, some body jacket. armors and, pardon my French, long guns as well. Um, oh, no. Not the long guns. Yeah, they had those cocked, locked, and ready to go. But, yeah, I mean, I Sounds get... Sounds low-key, then. Sure. Maybe they meant they tried to keep it under the radar because he wasn't there. I just think sometimes, like, they forget who they're dealing with or they're like, maybe this will scare him into not saying anything and he'll just wait and see how it plays out. It seems like, yeah, more often than that, that turns maybe out to be completely just false. just means they didn't throw any flashbangs. Trump has been dealing with the FBI since, like, the 80s. He used to be an informant for them and stuff. You know, I mean, come on, like scare him <laughs> no it, it's true and and you know they're lucky i was thinking about it you know john daly frequents mar-a-lago and I'm, I'm sure you guys both know who he is by his outrageous outfits that he wears <laughs> usually he's uh packing a a mighty big cigar and and drink of choice um he's one of donald trump's really good friends and uh they're lucky they didn't run into that guy because I think they would have needed a bigger boat if they did. He probably would have went Happy Gilmore on them. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, I'm glad we were able to unpack it and then get a little bit more of the narrative that we're not getting uh, when we have seen Christina Bob do the legacy media cycle over the course of the last week. And it's good that she's out there. You know, she's probably one of the most loyal people I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm not just talking about her unwavering loyalty to the president. I'm just talking in general. Yeah, uh, you know, she is the exact same funny, quirky, strong person you hear on this show as she is in real life. She texts the same way. She talks on the phone the same way. She memes the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, getting to see all of those people who have shit talked Donald Trump for the last almost seven years now, literally beg her like watching Laura Ingram try to drag information out of her and get like ahead of the narrative is just hilarious to watch after, you know what that (laughs) trash can did to Carrie Lake over the course of the uh, back end of the Arizona primary. And it's just really good to see them all groveling back because I know, right? They know they were like making a bad narrative about Donald Trump because you don't like the way he speaks, acts, or the way he presents some of his policies is one thing. But like seeing this unfold and knowing, like, okay, we're in uncharted waters and this is absolutely fucking wrong. It's like you could see it in the legacy media the way they're kind of just like having Christina Bob on, having other people from. Trump world in there having Steve Bannon go back into the legacy media and give his takes. It's just not really precedented for, you know, the current times that we're in and, and in regards to the fake narratives that they've built about the 45th president over the course of the last several years. So um, I saw John Solomon was on yesterday and uh, you know, he likes to get into the whole legal aspect of this whole thing. He was talking about constitutional violations and how over the line the Justice Department is. I wanted to play that clip for you guys right now and uh, 
get you caught up to speed on that narrative. What do you got? Yeah, listen, for the first time, we have confirmation that the FBI and the Justice Department believes it overcollected evidence when it was at Mar-a-Lago, meaning it collected evidence that was not covered by the search warrant. Tonight, I have confirmed uh, from two different sources that the Justice Department called President Trump's defense lawyers today, confirming that they did take his three passports. They are making arrangements to send it back, saying they are obligated to return it because it's outside the scope of the subpoena. They have also informed uh, the uh, Trump defense lawyers, the Justice Department has over the last few days, uh, that there's likely privileged materials that the FBI collected that now has to be segregated and returned to the president. Those privileges could be attorney-client privilege or more likely executive privilege. Now, this is remarkable. I talked to a lot of FBI people today who told me this warrant was already remarkably broad. They basically go in and get anything that looked like a presidential record to then collect something like a passport, which most agents can recognize pretty quickly, or privileged documents, raised concerns among career FBI officials. You're going to see some of them quoted in my story tomorrow about just how this raid was conducted and the the sort of lack of precision that was uh, carried out during this raid. You know, John, I'm, I'm looking at all this, and you and I covered this whole story about corruption at the upper levels of the FBI. Sure. Director Ray was supposed to clean it up. Why didn't he? It's a great question, right? Uh, there, I think a lot of people I talk to say, if you don't have accountability for the people who did it before, you never clean up the system that comes after it. Uh, the temptation to do these things, to go overly broad, to cheat on, on a warrant or to mislead a court or mislead Congress is high because really no one paid a terrible penalty for what happened during Russia collusion. And I think most of the experts I've talked to in the last three or four or five weeks, are we back at another point that looks like Russia? Increasingly, they're saying yes, that the basic rules are not being followed. Even if the FBI has a good reason to look for something, the rules aren't being followed. And I think the reason is there really hasn't been a consequence for cheating or breaking the rules in the most recent past. Well, we will. You know, I wanted to ask Christina Bob about something that I haven't seen circulate online for the last couple of days. I haven't been able to confirm it. I'm trying to look for better sources. But apparently some of the FBI agents who were part of the raid on Mar-a-Lago, specifically the two that signed the different receipts that you know, Trump turned over to uh, Breitbart, uh, the ones that were also signed by Christina Bob that we talked about on our Friday edition of the show last week. Um, it seems that several of the agents that were involved in the raid are some of the ones that worked directly on the Russia collusion case yeah. and are also currently under investigation by the special counsel led by John Durham. I heard that, too. Um, Yeah, I'm waiting for more of a confirmation. But it's a good rabbit hole to start going down. I mean, like, they talked about the non, you know, disciplinary action that a lot of these, well, all of these FBI agents incurred. And we saw it in our our first uh, segment today with Christina Bob when we played a clip from Peter Strzok, who led the investigation and essentially bragged about it like he was, you know, starting a coup. uh, back channel alleys with his with his old girlfriend lisa page you know he'll never be president we're gonna stop him this that and the other thing we've all seen the text but um these people have been able to walk scot-free they're writing books you know they get every time they go on the news like that even though it's for two minutes they get thousands of dollars uh yeah and it's like these guys are living great and uh you you know it's one of those things where the world we're living in right now is not the one that I think an overwhelming majority of the American public doesn't think that we live in. And it really is like that. They are scooping people up off the street. The leader of the Freedom Caucus had his cell phone taken from him on vacation last week. 
when he was on his way out, right? Yeah. Well, they were getting ready to go out for the day and, and, you know, someone knocked on the door and he said it was three FBI agents. And, you know, they said they had a warrant for his personal cell phone and he didn't have any opportunity or wiggle room to do anything about it. It wasn't like one of those things where they did it via correspondence or email or, or yeah, phone call and him. said, yeah, you know, and then they, you know, they literally got him like in a, in a gotcha moment and just took a cell phone. I thought they were, I thought they got him at the airport when he was like, about to like literally go on vacation. Well, that was Peter Navarro when he was getting ready to go to uh, Arkansas to do Mike Huckabee's like uh, Christian theme yeah. political show. They they got him at the airport and and threw him in a cell for like seven hours. Oh yeah, fuck. The fact of the matter is, it's becoming such a frequent thing now. We're for, we're, we're like mixing up. It's it's who's like, like yeah. How does the FBI detain you? Bingo. So yeah, we've been ambushed by the FBI. <laughs> I don't know. What do well, you? It's one of those. It's one of those like it's like the same thing as like there's a group of crooked police officers and they're going around shaking people down and, and doing stuff. And like, you know, the, the sergeant or the captain or whoever's in charge is, is in on it too. So he's like, Oh, okay, well you're suspended with pay for a week. It's just none of the stuff that they're doing to these guys for just blatantly breaking the law is, is anything that's going to make them stop doing what they're doing. They're just going to continue to roll with it and, it's just like the their team versus the other team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw a, a tweet thread from Julie Kelly last night. Um, I saved it because I thought, you know, it kind of feeds into this narrative. Uh, the first tweet says, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but things are going to get much worse. Kind of drive-by headline. You know, you see people like Pasobic and all those other ones. Steve Bannon runs on that rhetoric uh, all the time and then, you know, kind of fails to develop, but she did and and created a thread on it. Now I'm going to read the second tweet now. Nothing to stop the regime from what it's doing. Not judges, not defense lawyers, and certainly not GOP political leaders. No one on this side has watched this slow-moving train wreck more than I have since January 6th. Fact check, true. Mm -hmm. The U.S. Department of Justice has no boundaries, and they get away with whatever they want. And that's kind of where she left it. I, I, I think that's pretty accurate depiction of where we're at right now. And uh, it, it's really scary. These things develop behind closed doors. They develop at the top levels of the agency. And then they're being executed on, you know, everyone from some, well, our top elected officials all the way down to just regular people. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, well, you look over your shoulder problem. a little bit more when you're in public now because you don't know when the guy that's looking at bananas is going to be putting you in handcuffs at the at the grocery store. Never so know. yeah, and and I just think it's it's absolutely crazy and and one of those things where, you know, we have to do something to rein this back in because right now we're we're just getting into a dark place. Like going after the former president, especially when he was like literally in office. He he's the last in line. And you have the next in line, like, going after him for things that obviously we've seen so many holes punched in this case already that it's ugly. Just based off the fact that they took so much of that uh, stuff in in their in the raid that may not be considered evidence or what they were looking for, and they have to, they have to return it. They've all seen it. They've probably scanned it and saved it. But it's going to not allow them to build narratives legally in their cases in court to be able to use against them. It's... Anything that they were trying to do, it, it's kind of like this was just for shock value of, like, what could happen. I, yeah, no. yeah, it was just to get the public riled up and, you know, railing against Trump as much as possible. It's like, oh, he was impeached twice. Oh, now the FBI is raiding him. It's like, yeah, there's no substance to it, though. It's, it's all just for show. It's a smokescreen. 
I think it's also, I don't know. I mean, it's just a theory, you know, I don't know for sure, obviously. But uh, I think they were looking for more than what they said, obviously, in, you know, their, the narrative that they're giving and spewing. I think that they were looking for something that he might have that could, that's not so good for them, you know? Yeah, and, and that's a good point that you make because the next audio clip I'm going to play is from our great friend. A week from now, him and um, Devin Nunes are going to be joining us on our Tuesday edition of the show next week, Mr. Cash Patel. He was on Fox News Sunday. Him and Devin did a did a spot together. It was actually great. They they kept them through the commercial, and it wound up being like 20 minutes in total. It was kind of like a roundtable. But uh, he talked about there's a lot of uh, big misconception on, on what's classified and what's not and what power Donald Trump has to declassify documents. Here's Cash Patel laying it out. Let's hear him. President Trump made it his mission to declassify and be transparent. In October of 2020, he issued a sweeping declassification order for every Russiagate document and every single Hillary Clinton document. Mm -hmm. Then on the way out of the White House, he issued further declassification orders, declassifying whole sets of documents. And this is a key fact that most Americans are missing. President Trump, as a sitting president, is a unilateral authority for declassification. He can literally stand over a set of documents and say, these are now declassified. And that is done with definitive action immediately. The fact that the bureaucrats at NARA, who referred, remember, the National Archives are the ones that referred this to the Department of Justice, but they, the same principle, failed to refer Hillary Clinton to the Department of Justice when they got their hands on the uh, classified emails from those servers. And switching gears a little bit to the national security officials involved, you know, me as a former national security prosecutor in the National Security Division where this case is being run out of, it's no surprise that the likes of John Carlin, who was the Assistant Attorney General for National Security, who authorized the Russiagate hoax to begin with, is now the number three official at DOJ. And Lisa Monaco is the wow. number two official who was his superior back then. Yep. These folks, and this is, the, this is the thing I want to stress with, now that this is a quote-unquote ongoing FBI counterintelligence investigation, they will come out to the American public and be able to say, ongoing CI investigation, yep. you will never be allowed to see the Russiagate docs or any other docs that wow. President Trump lawfully declassified, and they will hide it from the public, and Congress has a monumental lift ahead of them. Come November, they better start subpoenaing these documents immediately and putting these people before the American public. Merrick Garland and FBI Director Chris Ray have failed in their mission to uphold the law. They have become political hucksters and they are completely destroying our Constitution and, and putting on a two-tier system of justice. Yeah, it, uh, listen. Oh, uh, see, they're trying to cover their their asses. So, he so anything that they took that they're not going to give back, they could just rat hole indefinitely under the guise of an investigation. Yes, and we, we yeah. I, I think we were probably one of the first outlets to say that even before this whole thing happened, they're going to use possible indictments or pending criminal investigations over his head until that narrative is no longer useful to them anymore. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what Cash clarified. In addition to that, he said, Donald Trump literally has, as the president of the United States, the ability to water to wine uh, any document that he waves his hand over and says this is now declassified information. And, exactly. and it's one of those things where, you know, technically they could be like walking boxes out of Mar-a-Lago. And even though he wasn't there, he could just like touch the box and touch the box and declassify, declassify, declassify. He, right, he right. could technically do that. But it seems like, you know, 
a lot of these things would uh, have already been declassified, if not all of them, before he took them. And and regardless, we, we touched on it with Christina. It, it was close to 14 million documents for, for Bill Clinton and over 33 million documents for Barack Obama that they were supposed to take and digitize and return to the National Archives, which they haven't done at all yet. And, and you know, Bill Clinton's presidency ended in 2000, so now we're talking 20-plus years of sensified yeah. and, and previously classified material now that rests somewhere in Arkansas, um, probably in a storage container. Uh, and, and behind this is and the seal. exact same situation we're looking at now. Yes, it's literally like the exact same things. That, that the last two Democrat presidents have done, I, I wasn't able to get any information on George W. Bush. I already know he has his own library already in Texas, and, and there's an archive there, but I don't know what he took. Like, the numbers were out for the Democrat ones, and so I, I went and confirmed both of those numbers and, and saw, you know, in addition to the, like, you know, the, the Persian rugs and, and, and the dining room set that Hillary Clinton talked, Bill Clinton took... Like I said earlier, yeah. ghetto. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Over 14 million documents uh, with him that were at one point considered classified or, or you know, sensitive material. And then Barack Obama, over 33 million uh, documents. And, and they haven't have, returned I anything have a yet. Question. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off um, before I forget. So I forgot where I was reading it. I think it was a lawyer on Twitter, but it doesn't mean it's true or correct that uh, – they could possibly reclassify these documents, but I don't know if that's true because once the president declassifies information, is there like a way to reclassify? I don't know. I'm sure there is a process, uh, but again, you would be like going against the, yeah, the privileges that the top executive of the country has. You couldn't reclassify them just for the sole reason that Donald Trump declassified them. They would have to be like documents that are an imminent whatever impact to national security. National and, security and then yeah. why? And you want to know what? There, there may be reasons why the president wants those documents uh, declassified. And at the end of the day, I think his decision overweighs what the intelligence community wants. Because, again, yeah. they all serve us, but they work for him. 100%. So. Totally. And we heard what Cash said, you know, so. Yeah, one of the things that I, I don't think you guys, we, we touched on it briefly with Christina, but I, I had pulled some for, for this. So Rudy Giuliani is getting dragged back through the mud. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Justice Department and, and the FBI and all their friends have made his life miserable for the last six and a half years. And, and it's one of those things where we're getting to a point now that they're getting into uh, the trial down in Georgia for some of the Stop the Steal vintage that, that happened down there. And uh, we know two of the most prominent names, in addition to, like, his whole little legal team. Rudy Giuliani is one of them. And then uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, Lady G, Pigface himself is going to be, well, has been, uh, you know, requested to go and, and testify and give statements and stuff like that. Let's hear uh, some of the stuff. Now, there's criminal probe uh, in the special grand jury down in Georgia. What's getting ready to get kicked off? for Rudy Giuliani say he has emerged as a central figure in the investigation. And he's set to testify in Atlanta before a special grand jury later this week. Giuliani's lawyers were informed today that their client is a target of the special grand jury's criminal investigation. The former New York City mayor is one of the biggest proponents, has been, was, is of Donald Trump's false claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election. CBS News investigative reporter Graham Cates joins us now for more on this. Graham, great to have you with us here on set. So was this a surprise to Giuliani and his lawyers, the fact that he's now a central figure in this investigation? 
I don't know if surprise is the right word. There have actually been more than a double targets identified by the grand jury, including some 16 people who were at what we call the fake electors. These are Georgia Republicans who essentially posed as as electors in the aftermath of the 2020 election. Uh, but a, as recently as a week ago in a court hearing, one of uh, Giuliani's attorneys had, was saying we were asking prosecutors, is he a target or is he a material witness, which is the phrase that they had referred to him as. And they, they were saying they couldn't get answers. Mm. Today, one of those prosecutors called one of Giuliani's lawyers and said, just so you know, two days before your testimony, you are uh, your client is, in fact, a target of the oh. investigation. Mm hmm. <laughs> I love how they said it like uh, at the beginning about uh, false claims about the fraud. Well, here, here's the thing. I don't know if you guys saw. Like, fuck off, man. They released the numbers in, in Los Angeles County last night for the George Soros funded radical progressive district attorney Gascon that's up there. Yeah. Um, and I believe it's not going to happen because now wait for it. Remember, in the 2020 presidential election, Less than 1% of the, all the ballots were considered not usable, whether they were fraudulent, unscannable, signatures didn't match. So 1% of all the, all the ballots across the country were considered not usable, right? Mm -hmm. they, they rejected in this L.A. County district attorney recall election 200,000 ballots yesterday. Wait, what? Yes. Due to not able to verify signatures in the system. Jesus. So that's literally where we're at in regards to uh, general election fraud when it comes to presidential elections. Non-existent. Local recalls for radical progressive George Soros funded district attorneys in Los Angeles. We can reject 200,000 ballots and it's completely legitimate. <laughs> it's like you can't make this shit up. And no. they're still using the Dominion voting machines, too. It's yeah. Like, yeah, it certainly is. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, I, I just don't understand how they can be so blatant with it. And, yeah, they're not and, even trying to hide it anymore at this point. We, for a while now, it's just ridiculous. It's like in-your-face gaslighting consistently. Yep. Know? So the whole Biden team is essentially on vacation in South Carolina. Um, and they left you know, a few of the people behind a few economic advisors, obviously it looks like KGP stayed home because she did some of the, uh, weekend morning news shows and was on, um, believe it or not, Fox business, what? uh, really? to, to, to weigh in on whether or not Joe Biden is number one, a legitimate candidate and number two, whether or not it would be better if maybe he just announced early that he wasn't going to run for president in the upcoming 2024 presidential election. Let's hear it. Possible that if he decides not to run that as a lame duck president, he wouldn't be so lame. It would actually be better for him not to be running I for mean, the election. I, but here's the thing about that argument, John. First of all, as you said, he intends to run. We're not even focused on 2024. We're focusing on the okay. moment right now, 2020. Oh, mm. really? Mm. No, what do you think? Think they're focused on the moment right now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jeez. Come on, everything's okay. This is normal. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. This is, this is the new normal. It's like peak. Oh, the normal. new normal. Yeah. Right. 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 Ay, ay, ay. Put your hands above your head and interlock your fingers. Um, yeah. I literally just did that. <laughs> yeah. Listen, this is this is so scary. The times we're living in. For for I'm sure regular people have to feel 
you know, just massive concern. I mean, you know who I think is next, honestly, and it's sad to say, the meme makers. They literally do have a lot of control over the spin and the news cycle, and they are so ready where you could just take, it literally takes two minutes to get any clip or scene from a movie, a couple face swaps and, and a voice over here and there. And in 10 minutes, you can put up a counter narrative in a joking manner that's going to get shared by some massive, I mean, sometimes Donald Trump Jr., Dan Scavino, Jack Posobiec, they throw these memes out there so fast. There's millions of people who see them minutes after like a news story is breaking. And uh, I'm pretty sure that those people down there who keep an eye on this stuff don't really appreciate the fact that, like Christina Bob said, some of the things that they may be trying to do quietly are just getting put on an international mm-hmm. stage via memes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how do you think some of these, how do you think grand old memes would feel if the FBI knocked on his door and took his, his laptop and, and his cell phone for mm-hmm. no reason? Because no, well, who do you think that. are going to be, you know, slated as the domestic violent extremists? They're going to be people that are posting stuff that goes counter the narrative. That's go goes against what, what the the quote unquote winning team wants to be out there. Yeah. I mean I mean grand old memes Liz Cheney George Bush has been you know on the big screen at every Trump rally this year. <laughs> and um as a reminder, you know, today's Liz Cheney's final day. Um you know, election wise, obviously she'll be out in January, but you know, in regards to uh being in office, she will get primaried by Harriet Hegman today. So the the only concern I have is by how much. I hope it's an overwhelming referendum, and, and it's by massive amounts. And then we have, you know, I, I want to clarify for our listenership, we have the, the Alaska primary today. So unfortunately, they imagine that because Lisa Murkowski was coming under such fire for the last couple of years, and especially how her and Donald Trump never ideologically aligned. Um so they changed their, their voting thing to, to jungle primary. So the top two vote getters, regardless of party affiliation, will move on to the general election. So even though Kelly Chewbacca is, you know, the vote is in Alaska today for to primary Lisa Murkowski, they will eventually face each other. I'm forecasting. Uh, hmm. Unless there's just a massive turnout that, but I mean, her, she's got a huge money making machine up there. You got to remember her whole family's tied to Alaska, just like Kelly Chewbacca's. But, um, you know, they will face each other again in the general election in November. So it's one of those things. Make sure if you're in Alaska or Wyoming today, get out and vote and uh, do your due diligence in regards to making sure every no funny business at the polling centers, get on social media and stuff if if you haven't. But regardless of whether you guys think, you know, or we know they're always going to try to cheat. We need to overwhelm them at the polls. Yep. Your vote does matter. And it's that day of voting on the Republican side where you get an over 70% turnout. That seems, at least right now, who knows if that's going to change between now and the general election. We know the one thing we don't have on our side is time and whether or not they make adjustments for that. But that does seem to be, you know, the biggest factor in the equation that has been overwhelming these pre-existing rigged voting systems and, and methods that they've used in the past to kind of stack numbers and see where they're at. Um, I mean, the only thing that they have to bank on is low turnout. And, you know, up to this point, Glenn Youngkin, Kerry Lake, Joe Kent, uh, several of the other ones, uh, we've seen massive turnouts on game day, and it's just you can't talk about how important it is. Ron DeSantis weighed in on... 
this whole narrative that we're kind of talking about in the first two segments of our show today. Uh, he was at a turning point event for Kerry Lake as he's getting ready to kick off a uh, cross-state tour of Florida to talk about how awesome it is and not only just the state itself, but the education system, which he's helping to completely reform down there. Let's hear him weigh in on the uh, Mar-a-Lago raid. Agencies have now been weaponized to be used against people that the government doesn't like. And you look at the raid at Mar-a-Lago, and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to remember, maybe someone here can remind me about when they did a search warrant at Hillary's house in Chappaqua, when she had a rogue server and she was laundering classified information. I don't remember them doing that. I do remember them manufacturing a false conspiracy theory about Russia collusion. I remember that. That was not true. That was an abuse of power. I remember a lawyer for the FBI got caught doctoring an application for FISA surveillance against an innocent man. I remember the FBI at Merrick Garland's direction being sicked on parents going to school board meetings. Yep. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, when you have a law that protects Supreme Court justices, is the FBI out there protecting our conservative justices? No. When you have violations of law where people are targeting pregnancy crisis centers, are they doing their job and enforcing the law there? No. They're enforcing the law based on who they like and who they don't like. That is not a republic. Well, it may be it's a banana republic when that happens. Pretty fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Very well said. He's a little stiff still uh, when it comes in regards to the national stage. That was a fairly big event. I heard there was close to 5,000 people there. And uh, I, I, when he usually does his little pop-up podiums when he's outside of wherever they're promoting, like, new Florida legislation, like, whether it be for kids or, or uh, you know, anti-vaccine stuff or regardless of what he's talking about, supporting law enforcement, he seems like he's more comfortable when he's, like, elbow-to-elbow elbow with the blue-collar workers. But I, I see him, like, a little stiffish uh, when he gets into, like, that big spotlight. It just leads into the fact that I don't think he's ready. I, I you know... Yeah, okay. he's not ready for bit, like major. The the best part about this raid happening last week is that you have a real moment right now for Republicans to circle the wagons, and that includes Ron DeSantis getting behind uh, Donald Trump for this. I think it, it couldn't have been better that it happened in the state of Florida, and I also think. Even though Donald Trump wants to dial down the rhetoric, I'm hoping still for the possibility of a Save America rally before the Florida, uh, you know, midterm primary election in uh, on the 23rd of August. But that's yet to be seen. Still no announcement. We're already at the 16th. It's not looking likely. But I, I think, you know, it's one of those things. This is Ron DeSantis's opportunity to know you're, he's not ready for that show. He, he's definitely not ready for that show. And, and, and when you more time, yeah, when you talk about all the problems that are going on, especially internationally, there's really only one man who's already rubbed shoulders with this guy, with all of these guys, these bad actors across the world that are running around crazy right now. I don't know if you guys saw; it's kind of under the radar because all this Mar-a-Lago stuff is dominating the news cycle. North Korea and and Russia over the weekend had delegates of the, of the highest levels meet and agree to over the next 10 years, continue to develop strengthening their relationship and ties. Ooh. And oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Listen, these countries that have been disenfranchised by the Biden administration 
Um, and and, and the, the, listen, it's they're bad countries with bad leaders who do horrible things. But Donald Trump was trying to. Don't you guys remember over the course of like the the talks with North Korea and after the meeting, there was talks about like North Korea going public again. Like there were people going on like these weekend talk shows and speculating like what it would take to like rebuild the infrastructure of North Korea to make it more trade applicable in the world. And where are we now? They're they're getting ready to test another nuclear weapon. Same thing with Iran, you know. And uh, our whole we're gonna have to get that Hillary Clinton reset button for when. You know, the next Republican president when Donald Trump wins the White House again in, in 2024 because we're back at ground zero with that. And, and well, you know, and it's like I don't remember. I think it might have been uh, something that Cash and had said in an interview or somebody else that we that we are pretty close to. It's just you see all this stuff that's happening. And it's almost like they're just trying to cause as much problems on their way out yep. yeah. because they know that we're going to be running around with their, like chickens with their heads cut off with their dick in our hand, right. trying to fix everything for the entire time that we're back in power. Yeah. And we're not going to get anything done because we have this rampant illegal immigration where we're going to have to like figure out like, all right, what are yeah. we doing with all these people? Are we actually going to, deport people when they go to their notice to appear and are not granted asylum because their asylum case is weak at best. And what are we going to do? Like it's, it's an insurmountable problem now. And it's going to be like, well, what, what good are you going to get done when you're trying to just pick up the pieces for four years? No, it's a great point. I do remember that segment. It was me who said that. Um, <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, it was in one of my actual rants. I remember it from from QCing one of the last shows. Thank you. Um, but no, you, you're correct. They're creating so many problems. It's like they know. We were talking about the um, expiration date of Donald Trump and, and who he could possibly king make moving forward. That he's only got so many years to fix all these disasters. Now we do know because we we are very closely associated with with Trump World and all the great people who are still working on behalf of the president. What the game day plans are mass firings in regards to the administrative state on day one, having at least 10,000, if not more uh, federal employees ready to go and hit the ground running on day one. And then also you've already had all these people you've worked with the cash Patels, Devin Nunes, Chris Millers. I mean, you name it. A lot of these people are going to be coming back and, and working in the government. And that's another point I wanted to make. You know, a lot of these people get sad when they're, when their Republican candidates don't win their primaries, but especially the ones who worked prior in the administration, whether it was presidential appointee, whether they were a House rep, whether they were a White House staffer, uh, whether they ran political campaigns that Donald Trump endorsed. A lot of these people who aren't winning their primary races right now and aren't going to make it as House candidates and Senate candidates, governor candidates, they're most likely going to work in the next Trump administration. So we just don't get them in 2022 and 2023 we're going to get them in 2025 uh in regards to you know high level staffing positions within the trump administration lauren culp is a perfect example in 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 washington four who didn't you know win his primary race another one is probably eric greitens and, and there's a couple more out there who are serviceable who already have federal or government experience and who support the president. There's no reason waiting for an entire cycle after this one to, to jump back into a race. If the numbers don't match up, just go get presidentially appointed work for four more years and then either jump over to the DeSantis administration in in 2029 or take your federal retirement and go write a book and go work at, you know, the heritage foundation or, 
or the Federalists or something like that. Um, so don't get too disappointed when your Trump-endorsed America First candidates aren't making it over the finish line in their primaries. There's still a plan for them. And uh, we're going to be seeing them in, in, in probably more context than you can even think of uh, in, a, in a future Trump administration. And we're going to be able to talk a lot about those geopolitics and some of these critical house races with our next guest who's getting ready to uh, load up on the show right now as, as we're going to sit down with one of our great friends. All right, joining us next on the show today, he is the Trump-endorsed America First, now nominee for U.S. House seat in Washington 3, coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Mr. Joe Kent, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule, sir. How's everything going with you? Congratulations on the big win. Took a little bit longer to get to the uh, finish line, <laughs> even though Election Day was Election Day. How's uh, everything going with you? Yeah, they definitely uh, We brought it right down to the wire. It was a tight race, uh, but we're feeling really good. We're feeling strong. Um, just looking to consolidate all the Republicans here in our very conservative district and you know, optimistic about about the future, but not taking anything for granted. we got a serious Democrat in the race. So, you know, no rest for the uh, for the weary. We're right back on the road uh, starting next week. So just excited to get back on the trail. Yeah, you talk about uh, uniting the Republicans behind you now. How, how has that been so far? I know there were some who said they were going to get out of the race uh, once there was a Trump endorsement. If there was going to be one, obviously it went to you. Uh, but now that the dust has settled and it's obviously you versus, like you said, a, a real Democrat, pretty socialist, uh, policy-driven one as well up there in Washington, uh, how, how's the, the feeling within the party right now of, of really getting behind you and making sure that this is something that we can get you know, done and into the uh, House of Representatives in November? You know, it was a really hard-fought primary, and it was a five-way split between Republican votes. Uh, when I pulled the head, uh, Jamie Herr Butler, the incumbent, to her credit, she went ahead and conceded. She could have drug it out, but she chose not to. She conceded, and then my main rival on the the America First side, Heidi St. John, um, she dropped out as well and encouraged her supporters to get behind me. She endorsed me in a, in a very uh, well-put statement. Um, and so we've seen a lot of unity, uh, and I feel really strong about how we're consolidating uh, Republicans in the district. And we've also had the state party come in and national levels come in as well. Um, so really, again, that, that unification, you know, come, it's hard coming out of a hard fought primary because i think there's still uh still some fresh wounds but i mean the, the biggest thing is to just focus on on the main enemy and that's taking down the democrats and i feel like we're really doing that right now well that's good to hear you know we talked to uh we had carrie lake and actually the whole arizona ticket in here on on friday and there was a lot of talk of the same thing uh in places like arizona it was one of the most expensive races uh you know across the entire ticket in the entire country and uh one of the things right now you know w when the ballots are finally done being counted and they announce a winner of course everybody feels a little animosity but now the dust settles a little bit you see people starting to say well you want to know what it's better that we take this to washington dc instead of letting the uh obviously the big progressives get it yeah that's exactly right so yeah that, that's the feeling that we've had here uh on the ground everybody from you know your, your more establishment types that were back in jamie her butler to some of my other rivals on the america first side everybody so far has been really good we had uh the main uh Central Committee Republicans group, they endorsed me right away afterwards, and so we're, we're lining up other endorsements as well. So, yeah, there's, there's good unity within the Republican side because I think, honestly, Republicans are, are finally realizing that we can't be divided. The Democrats are in lockstep. The Uniparty is in lockstep. The globalists are in lockstep. You see that with the raid on President Trump's uh, house in Mar-a-Lago. Mar um, so we, we've got to get kind of our act together and be ready to fight, you know, with, with everything that we have. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, so let's touch on it. It's obviously the biggest news story that's that's kind of engulfed the circuit over the course of the last little bit of uh, you know the week. We had Christina Bob on earlier, who who was literally on the ground when when it happened. Mm-hmm. Outside looking in, and and based off of some of the experience you had throughout the course of your careers, um, how how does this look to you? I mean, how bad does it look optically? And then, what do you think? Kind of like the end goal here is for the uh, you know. Biden regime, U.S. Department of Justice. This is just an intimidation tactic, plain and simple. And this is right out of the authoritarian playbook. You take your your uh, FBI, your national security state, you turn it into a Praetorian guard for the regime. And that's all Biden has done from the time that he took office to now. They still see Donald Trump as a threat. They were hoping Trump was going to go away, but he decided not to go away. He's still fighting. He's more than likely going to run in 2024. And so what the Democrats are doing, yeah, obviously there's all the procedural things they're trying to do to keep him off the ballot. They know, I think deep down inside, they know that most of that's not going to work. So what they're trying to do right now is to send a very, very intimidating message to Trump and everyone everybody else who supports President Trump. And we've seen this with the FBI counterterrorism task force going after, you know, not just every grandmother that showed up on January 6th, but parents that show up at school board meetings where the FBI, the national security state will come after you. And so right now they're trying to send a shot across the bow saying, we don't care who you are. We're going to come after you. And then when you look at the warrant, the warrant says that they can basically look at anything, anything from January of uh, 2017, all the way to January of 21. It's, it's a, it's a, textbook example of show me the man and I'll show you the crime. We'll investigate until we find something. And look, I I think that's supposed to be the point. They're throwing it right in our face and saying, this is what we'll do to you. And then what, two days later, they go to the head of the uh, the House Freedom Caucus, Scott Perry, and they tracked him down because he wasn't at his home. He wasn't in his D.C. office. They track him down. They show up and they demand that he hands over his phone. So we're seeing these authoritarian style tactics being used by the national security state in an effort to intimidate us. Yeah, it's been really disturbing to watch how everything's kind of unfolded. You know, there's a lot of ways that this administration has spun uh, their narrative to try and make it seem normal when everything that they've done from, and, and it's something we'll touch on in a second, the withdrawal from Afghanistan to other geopolitics, the you know conflict in Ukraine to domestic issues like eliminating energy independence, tanking the economy, uh, stuff they're doing with school boards. And then, like I said, uh, weaponizing uh, federal law enforcement agencies on behalf of, of their mandate. And uh, this was really an interesting one. This is, you know, obviously someone who's who's been around like we have, um, us with our coverage, and obviously you with your service now through your campaign, has seen it's always like possible indictments and, and you know, crimes and stuff like that that they'll tease all the way until that narrative's not good anymore. Uh, and then they'll go off in a different direction with the next witch hunter hoax they decide to you know, uh, fabricate for themselves, we really feel like the passing of those two awful bills, uh, which are really going to indebt the nation even more and, and hurt the economy and, and the energy sector and, you know, the middle class, in addition to the one-year anniversary of the of the withdrawal and the catastrophe that happened in Afghanistan were really some of the reasons why they decided to run with this when they did. Uh, do you feel like that kind of led into the equation at all? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, they could have they could have gone about this a, bu- a bunch of different ways. But if they wanted their big symbolic raid against President Trump, they could have done this at, at any other time. But I mean, I think you're right. They're approaching the one year anniversary of Afghanistan, the inflation reduction bill um, that was really exposed to just be a massive orgy of spending. And yeah. there's a lot of folks, even on the left, even at Bernie Sanders, really not saying very favorable things about this bill. And so, look, the Democrats want to talk about anything but the issues. They have to go and they have to raid Trump. 
Trump. They have to consistently call us racist and horrible people because the last thing they want to do is address what's actually affecting everyday Americans every moment of every waking moment of their lives. And that's inflation. That's what they're doing to the economy. And so they have to have these massive distractions. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. They have to continue this sham of January 6th. They have to continue to attempt to investigate and indict President Trump. And and a lot of it, I I think it's twofold. It's to distract. But a lot of it is also just sheer power politics. While the Democrats have control of power, they use every single ounce of it and they they use it effectively. We, We may not like what they do with it. But they're effective at jamming up the system. They are playing, you know, no holds barred. I mean, I tell people all the time, like, this isn't politics of 10, 15 years ago. The Democrats aren't trying to win arguments anymore. They're not saying our policy ideas are simply the best. They're saying we have power. You don't. We're coming after you, and we're going to use every single ounce of power that we actually have. And this, is again, goes back to what we were initially talking about. This is why the right, we've got to get united to fight against these gangsters. Yeah, it's really crazy to see, you know, administrations in the past they always you know blame the party or or one side or the other they'll blame you know when when some of the agencies commit blunders or or do stuff outside the scope of of the purview of their jobs but what we're seeing right now is something that's probably unprecedented at least in the public view um there's people who are around the intelligence community that said small groups of things that have are like going on and unfolding right now have probably historically happened throughout the the course of American history. But now we're trying to see it on such a in your face level that uh, in a day of social media and technology, it's kind of hard to hide, uh, you know, exactly what's going on. And it's just pretty astounding to see that this is really where we're at as a country right now. And, and, you know, falling towards being coming like a legitimate security state. It's really alarming. And, you know, honestly, I understand why a lot of Americans, if they haven't deeply read history, if they haven't spent a lot of time overseas, that they don't understand this because we're so blessed here in America for multiple generations. We've had this amazing free country that we live in where our national security state, as flawed as it could be at times, wasn't just working against the American people. I mean, had I not served overseas and worked in authoritarian countries, I I don't know if this would look as familiar to me as it does. But I I think folks got to really look at what authoritarian regimes do and how they operate in this weaponization of the FBI, the DOJ, you know, going back with the intelligence community. And there's so many different touch points for how the intelligence community has not been used to protect Americans, how it's been used really just to protect the Democrat party and to give the Democrats more, more control and more power. People really need to start looking at that because the indicator lights, I, I think are flashing you know, very bright red right now. We are in a very, very dark place as a country and we've got to take drastic actions. That's why people say, Hey, you know, it sounds really extreme when you say that you want to go and you want to defund and dismantle the FBI and you want to take take down the administrative state. Well, look, I'm sorry. This is just where we are as a country. We're at the precipice. If we don't start taking on these organizations and these institutions, we're not going to have a real country anymore. We're going to have an authoritarian nation. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, you see the evil villains in the movies and the way that they have, you know, their security forces and like inner circles around them. Uh, It's kind of cliche and almost jokingly to say, but we are getting to a point now to where like, okay, the current sitting administration of the, you know, the freest country in the world is supposedly using its federal law enforcement, uh, you know, entities to go out and, and pretty much eliminate 
and removed from the chessboard uh, the biggest pieces of the opposition party. And uh, that, that is textbook for what goes on in third world countries, and it's pretty crazy to see it happening here now almost on a regular basis. Joe, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit but stay in the same thread. So Joe Biden didn't give pretty much any acknowledgement in regards to the anniversary of the Afghanistan uh, debacle. Um, you know, as someone who is at pretty much the tip of the spear of fighting the global war on terror and someone whose family obviously made, you know, more than the ultimate sacrifice for this country, defending our freedoms. Uh, how, how does it feel to, to watch, like, the leader of the free world go out and just kind of, regardless of what happened with the draw, the, the totality of the entire operation, the 21-year war, some of the good things that we did do over there in regards to, you know, helping out those people at the time and, and then rooting out some of the real uh, people that were, you know, causing huge problems all over the planet um, to just completely ignore it like he's done with D-Day and, and several other huge uh, military milestones for our country over the course of, uh, you know, the last 18 months? I mean, I, I think it's a disgrace. Obviously, the way that we left Afghanistan, that's solely at the feet of, of Joe Biden and really the national security state. Yeah. Um, but Biden, again, he doesn't want to talk about that. He, he, he won't have the honest adult conversation with the American people as commander in chief, as our leader and say, look, a year ago, this happened. It was a tragedy. You know, like you said, here's a few of the highlights of, of the good things that we did do in, in Afghanistan. I think that list is actually fairly small, but also what I would appreciate and I, and I would actually give him uh, a lot of credit for if he came out and he said, Hey, here's what happened in Afghanistan. And we've learned from these mistakes and we are going to make sure we're going to do everything in our power to make sure these things never happen again. Uh, if he was actually commissioning, you know, an Afghan war study to look at the ways that the military industrial complex, because I do believe at the heart of this, and this is why they hated Trump so much, Republicans and Democrats were in on this scam. This isn't just a Democrat thing or Republican thing. If he was really going to go after and say, what's the heart of the problem, the national security state that wanted to keep us here in Afghanistan that lied to administration after administration, if he was seeking that type of accountability, and also acknowledging the tragic loss of the 13 we lost on the way out and, and the other, you know, nearly 3,000 that we lost in the course of, of just that war alone, not to mention Iraq and Syria and Yemen and all the other places. Uh, I, I have a lot more respect for him, but he does this thing because he knows that the media is going to help him memory hold this. Yep. The, me, the mainstream media is not even covering it. So Biden just knows it's one of those things that will be too taboo to even talk about. And they can move on to running 24 and nonstop breathless coverage on, you know, how Trump has like secret nuclear codes, like on his coffee table in Mar-a-Lago or some nonsense. It really just, it's insulting, but it really just highlights how big of a joke our media, our regime and our country is becoming. Yeah, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, a lot of the world has woken up to see, you see so many uh, news agencies from other countries point out not only some of the, you know, ridiculous failures of this regime, uh, but on an optics level, you, it's pretty funny to watch places, you know, like the BBC and Sky News and, and other major news outlets, Al Jazeera, just make fun of them for how they are, how they talk, how they act, and what they think, uh, you know, the messages that they're portraying to us when everybody could obviously see, it's just a, you know, one big embarrassment. Joe, one thing I wanted to touch on with you that I thought was pretty important so there, there's been a lot of pundits out there in the news right now who are seeing the numbers stack up. Obviously, we got a little bit less than a month before all of the primaries are finished, and we'll know what the chessboard looks like in, in regards to uh, possible House forecasting numbers uh, for next year. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I find discouraging is, is some of the pundits out there who are already kind of dooming the fact that, you know, they're, they're not going to be kind of in the, well, the cool kids club when they get up on Washington DC, which is more of like the establishment gang. And, uh, you know, the, the, we all know how big and strong 
the Freedom Caucus is, but their numbers are limited, uh, for instance. And, and when they're talking about, you know, being on committees and having subpoena power, uh, it's something that, you know, right now, Kevin McCarthy is kind of the dealer of that. Whether or not that changes between now and January is yet to be seen, but that's kind of like the way the field's set up now. What are some of the things that you're thinking uh, numbers-wise when you, when you can get to Washington, D.C. and start working with, with some of these guys down there, the Jim Banks, the Jim Jordans, obviously Matt Gates, Bobert, MTG, uh, Dr. Gosar, and people like that, uh, to kind of get these numbers bumped up a little bit to push back on that and, and make sure that the things we're talking about now aren't just rhetoric once, once you guys you know take power back in, in the House of Representatives? Yeah, I think we're building actually a pretty strong coalition of, of solid America first folks. I, obviously, I think the Freedom Caucus is going to kind of be the framework for that. And then you have, you know, the strong fighters, MTG, yep. Matt Gates, Gosar, that really, really showed, you know, charted a new way forward. Even when you're not in favor of leadership, especially the MTG uh, model of, hey, if you kick me off all my, if you kick me off my committees, I will show up to all the committees. So <laughs> that's a good fallback, I, I think, to have and to fight that way if we need to. But I think we've shown that, hey, the Trump endorsed candidates, the America first movement, we, we're not going to be ignored. We're not going to be pushed aside. As a matter of fact, we're, we're the future of the Republican Party. And so we can go to people like Kevin McCarthy. Now, look, I got millions of dollars dropped in my head because I've been saying from day one, I'm not voting for McCarthy for, for speaker. And that's just that is what it is. I'm just not doing it. Yep. However, we can look at people like McCarthy and say, hey, you saw what they did to President Trump. Like they're coming after us, period. You see where the base is right now and they're electing people like us. And that's not a mistake. That's for a reason. Let's work together. You've got a lot of power. You're the most prolific uh, fundraiser in all of America. Last time I checked, let's start putting this towards good. Let's let's listen to what the people are saying in the district and let's serve them. I, I really don't want to have to go there and go into siege warfare. I think MTG, you know, Gates and all hard fighters, they've been doing it for quite a while yeah. uh, and they've been doing it against long odds. We can continue to have this friction, this inter-Republican civil war and fight and i'm willing to have it i'm willing to fight on that but what i really want to say to the establishment republicans is like this is not productive like if you are actually going to do what you say you're going to do to the people that you are saying that you represent let's start working together and we have to fight and it, it can't just be you know we're going to go on the floor of the oversight committee and get a spicy you know one-liner that's going to get replayed on fox that we then turn into a fundraising newsletter exactly like, it's got to have it's got to have way more teeth than that and look no i mean People like Jim Jordan have been fighting this for quite a while, and, and Jim Jordan knows how to actually make a lot of this this accountability happen. Same with Matt Gates. So we we ha we can give them the votes right now, and we can start really going after these people because you know what? If we don't, that's on us, and none of us deserve to keep our jobs. Um, I'm I'm still auditioning for my job, but if I do get it, but if I fail to deliver on this, and I feel this way about all Republicans, like I think another thing that we another template that we broke here in 2022, it's okay to primary Republicans just because someone's been there for a really long time. If they're not doing what you want them to do, then find a primary challenger, rally behind that person, and give them hell. Yeah. And and I think that that the army of the awakened, the people that are really starting to get engaged in politics, this needs to become the new template because this is how we hold our elected officials accountable. It's through primaries, and then also fundraising like look i still don't give don't give money to the rnc and the nrcc give money to individual candidates that you know are walking the walk no yeah i mean that's pretty much it I, every time i see people dooming online that maybe their candidate didn't make it through the primary i always try to re-encourage them and say listen it's a numbers game like obviously we want all the best candidates in there there there's some good candidates who didn't make it like obviously in, let's just say in your state in washington you know lauren didn't win his primary i thought he was probably one of the most people to be qualified to be a u.s house rep in, in the entire country but he's ran to the yes. table he ran a massively successful gubernatorial campaign he president mm -hmm. trump loved him he brought things from the business 
sector and he was a fighter. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a numbers game now. We, we need as close to a you know, super majority in the house that we can get right now, playing the long game to 2026. We're obviously seeing that uh, we can have a super majority in the Senate as well if we keep playing our numbers right. But like you said, it's the failure to deliver. I hope Kevin McCarthy realizes over the course of the last 10 days, like literally when they're done done with you, like he will get the same treatment that President Trump got. They'll connect 100%. him yeah, directly to January 6th. They'll say he was an instigator. They'll say there's text messages and emails, even though there's not. They'll have one of his junior staffers who's looking for a golden parachute that doesn't work for him anymore go and testify before a committee and say all these bad things that they think they heard he said over the course of you know the time Donald Trump was in the White House. And that's just the way they're acting. So if he thinks he's untouchable and he doesn't want to kind of make himself uncomfortable on to you know, get this country back on the right track. He's got a, a, a pretty big wake-up call coming. So, Joe, last thing I want to touch with you on, it's how are you switching gears in the campaign now, obviously broadening your, your reach a little bit. You've got an extensive ground game. You're great on social media. You're always in the news cycle jumping on shows like Tucker and stuff like that. And then what do you still continue to need from our listenership? Well, you know, we're still up against uh, we're still up against the Democrat establishment right now. So obviously anybody who could donate five, ten, fifteen dollars. I'm still not going to take any corporate PAC money because I want to be accountable to people in my district and the American people. Um, but what we're doing right now, we're going to just continue to really get out there and, and promote our message. Because what I think America first has to offer the American people right now is actual real solutions. My Democrat opponent is saying like she's this, you know, working class champion and, and she's going to fight for working class people. But it's like, look, the working class has been completely and totally abandoned by the Democrat Party. The Democrats are the 100 percent capital, uh, capital Wall Street. They are you know, the party of Davos. They are working for corporate America. They're not working for the working class people. We actually have the policies and we're going to work towards those that are actually going to give the American people some real relief, especially with energy independence, especially with bringing back jobs, and especially with really sealing off immigration so that Im illegal immigrants and legal immigrants can't take jobs away from American citizens. It's a very basic message that, hey, look, there is there's something that comes with American citizenship that's special and it's very, very unique. And that's what we're fighting for. There's a lot of people that want to disparage us and say that, like, oh, America first and the Republic the Trump Republicans, they're, you know, they're white nationalists and all that nonsense. Like that that couldn't be further from the truth. We're right. fighting for every single American, regardless of your race, your sexuality, what religion you are. That that's what our movement's all about. The Democrat Party, they have to play identity politics because they want to distract from the fact that they are doing the bidding of Wall Street. They're doing the bidding of the people that have hollowed out and gutted our country. There's very little daylight anymore between the Democrat, the progressive left, and like the Bush, Cheney, Mitt Romney types. So really, like it's the establishment versus the anti-establishment. It's it's the globalist versus America first. So I think we we have a, a way to appeal to a lot of the the former Bernie Bros. I got accused of being a Bernie Bro for saying this. <laughs> we have a way to uh, appeal to a lot of the Bernie Bros. to say, hey, look. What you were saying about bringing back jobs, about limiting foreign intervention, and about uh, putting the labor market in the favor of the American workers via immigration policy—that's what we're all about right now. That's not—that doesn't exist anymore with the Democrats. And what I really like to highlight, especially, is foreign policy. There used to be a divergent party with it, with on the left and the right, yeah. to vote, you know, in favor of restraint. But if you look at, especially like the Ukraine aid package. You had every single Democrat, to include the squad, to include Jayapal, Bernie Sanders, all these, these so-called former non-interventionalists, voting in lockstep with Raytheon and Lockheed Martin. 
So everything that was the the populist left is dead. It only exists here on America first. So, you know, that's our message. It's a message of unity. It's a message of, of actual policy. So I'm looking forward to getting it out there and, and hitting the trail with it. No, it's a great message, Joe, and it's one that's really resonated not only with our listenership and obviously with the constituents of Washington 3 who got you in there for the general election, but but going across the nation. You're one of the more familiar faces in the America First movement, and uh, we're really fortunate to have such a great relationship with you. We want to be able to help you out in any way we can moving forward. Obviously, we'll have you back at some point between now and the general election, but uh, if you want to give us your social medias and, and campaign website, we'll continue to help fund your campaign and uh, make sure that you can put up the big fight against that uh, progressive rival you're facing right now in the general election yeah joe kent for congress.com that's the touch place for all the social media and for uh donations i'm also on twitter getter and truth at joe kent one six jan one nine yeah we'll live link those in the show description today and like i said we'll be having you back joe we wish you the best of uh luck and health continue when you know as you're about to get, get ready to jump on the road again and uh we'll be circling back soon Thank you very much. Good to see you guys. The America First Trump-endorsed Republican nominee, Washington Washington 3. Mr. Joe Kent, thanks for coming on State for Breakfast. Breakfast. Thank you. Always good sitting down with now the nominee for Washington 3, Joe Kent, and and get his takes on all that stuff. He's uh, made a lot of sacrifices for our country. Um, More than most who who make sacrifices. And, you know, to see him... uh, go through the election season and now be the Republican nominee and have a true matchup against a actual socialist Democrat in Washington. It's going to be great to watch and uh, it should be another house seat that we're going to keep and and have a stronger um, representative in there now than we Mm -hmm. have, you know, with uh, Herrera Butler because she was just absolute garbage. Yep. Totally agree. Can't wait to see him in there. Yeah. Seven out of 10. Now we'll be eight after today when uh, Liz Cheney is primaried. So, yeah, getting that uh, total number. And uh, I I saw some revised numbers that the House governor and Senate was like 167 and 6 for Donald Trump's record. But when you do his total endorsements, that includes like mayors and land surveyors, all the kingmaking he's done this election cycle. It's 200 wins, 14 losses. So, Speaking of which, I, wanted, did, I did want to touch before we get into last news segment here, which is just going to be kind of a mashed up best of the rest. Um, so we can add Darren Bailey, Trump endorsed America First gubernatorial candidate who recently won his primary in Illinois to uh, our blacklist. Really? Um, yeah. I was, I was pretty surprised. I got an email back from his team this morning, his comms director. Um, I sent our usual email, which is wellly written um you know who we are what we do who we've had on open dates if you'd like to connect blah 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 you want to know the email i got back from him lol dash no thanks wait wait because you cut off from me at the beginning who did you email darren bailey he's he's the trump endorsed gubernatorial candidate in illinois who recently won a primary he said LOL. Wait, no you got an LOL no thanks? LOL dash no thanks exclamation point was, Wait, the, was the email that his comms director sent us back. Who the hell is their comms director? Let's, let's call him out by name right now. Let's do it. I'm going to pull up the stake for Proton mail LOL, right now. No his, his, name, <laughs> his name is... Oh, really? Joe DeBose. Joe DeBose. Yes. Comms director, Bailey for governor. 
What sounds very say? professional. Yeah, well, I mean, I take the high road. Um, yeah, well, still, but that's like, that's not nice. And that's, yeah, like Noah said, extremely unprofessional. Sure is. And, and the email I wrote back was, was the opposite of that. Joe, thanks for the email back. Although it's unfortunate to uh, not have the opportunity to sit down with Darren as the only Trump-endorsed gubernatorial candidate to do so this election cycle, we do wish you the very best of luck and health throughout the rest of the general election season. We look forward to seeing you flip Illinois and making it great again, respectfully, my title. God bless your own. Uh, You've just killed him with kindness, and I'm sure at some point they're going to regret being such cunts. I'd like to be some of these people's bosses someday. Oh, wink, wink. That would be a burn. But jumping back into the news cycle. So we, we did have some monumentous and somber events this week, as, as we've already talked about throughout the course of the show. Um, it, it, it is the one year anniversary of the retreat from Afghanistan. And the best way to get Joe Biden out of the news cycle, in addition to the two awful America last pieces of legislation that they've had passed through the House and Senate and are waiting for his signature right now, the CHIP Acts and the Inflation Not Reduction Act, um, to getting hemmed up on, on questions regarding the Afghan withdrawals to send him on vacation for 10 days, which they did uh, down in South Carolina. John Kennedy uh, jumped on with Fox News yesterday and talked about the narrative was what he's calling Operation Joe's Gotta Go. Let's hear it. The liberals are bailing on Joe Biden in 2024. Why so? Some politicians in Washington, D.C., not all of them, but some care more about their problems than yours. And the thing they want most in the world is to be reelected. Certain members of President Biden's own party are running from him because they think President Biden will hurt their reelection. Now, why is that? Um, In my judgment, President Biden has stepped on every rake in the yard. I don't don't mean to be unfair, but it's been cringeworthy. He has mismanaged Congress, mismanaged COVID, mismanaged crime, mismanaged the border, mismanaged Afghanistan, mismanaged the economy, mismanaged inflation, and forfeited America's energy independence. Now, President Biden obviously disagrees with that. He says he's doing a swell job. And as evidence, he offers the opinions of experts like uh, Kamala Harris and and, uh, Prince Harry. But I don't think most Americans are persuaded. Uh, I don't think the American people hate President Biden. I certainly don't. But I think a majority of the voters in our country at this juncture think he would be he would be better off selling catheters on late night TV than serving as president of the United States. And those are just the facts. I, I think you're right. I want to I want to have a nice. I love this guy so much. He's yeah, the best. Nice long Kentucky bourbon with Senator John. So Kennedy. cool. He's also a, a kill him with kindness kind of guy. And uh, oh, yeah, for sure. He also makes some top-tier campaign videos. His little workout ones are pretty funny. He's like, literally takes off his suit jacket and like rolls up his sleeve, and it's like that part in Anchorman where he's like doing the curls, and uh, he's like, "Oh, didn't see you there." 
we're at really? the end of the cycle right now and i need 25 of your american dollars and uh yeah it's, it's pretty funny i need to check them out because i really don't watch much tv at all really um but i need to see that that's brilliant yeah but but i mean he does make a lot of sense you, you do For see sure. uh I, they asked kjp about it uh over the weekend when she did the sunday morning news circuit and uh you've seen a lot of people who have won nominations uh most notably fetterman who's running against dr oz up in pennsylvania Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has made it clear that his campaign does not want to be associated with the Biden administration, and they are going to be doing some campaign events with Bernie Sanders instead. So that just, mm-hmm. yeah, tells about the the product that, um, you know, they're trying to sell you there. Noah, what do you think about uh, the, the one-year anniversary of the Afghan withdrawal and, and what they did to kind of uh, take Joe Biden out of the spotlight? Well, I mean, it's... <laughs> it's still a huge failure. And if he's going to try to distance himself away from everything that happened, the people that lost their lives over it, I just don't think that's the right thing to do. I mean, uh, we still haven't really gotten an apology. Like maybe he should be more on the tip of, uh, you know, we could have done things better. I apologize. I was wrong about some things in retrospect. I would have done something differently, but no, it's just, I did everything right. Everything's fine. I'm the best president in the history of presidents. He is that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And, and what confirms the narrative that we're trying to give you, I'm not sure if either one of you saw this, but quadruple jabbed Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin recontracted COVID on Friday. <laughs> Jeez. Imagine that. Oh. Weird. But thankfully, he's jabbed in boosters. It's almost like everybody that's like multiple jabbed is more susceptible to getting COVID. I mean, didn't the CDC release that, like those numbers? Yeah. I was being a little facetious, but yes. Yeah. But he he did issue a statement stating that he was... Thankful that he was jabbed and boosted. His symptoms are mild. Yeah. It could and, be so much worse. I could be dead. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's resting. He he's on a regimen of the uh, I don't even know what the name of the new one is, but the Pfizer Mectin. Pavlov something. Like yeah, the, whatever the hell. Yeah. So now every time somebody gets it, it's just a fucking infomercial for Pavloxid or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. Yep. So. Can't wait and to see the long-term new, studies the new on those. CDC guidelines are hilarious and such a slap in the face. It's like. It, it's so, ugh. I, I mean, I can't. Let me see if I can pull them up. Do you have them offhand? It's too funny. I saw them. They're basically stating that COVID doesn't exist. While you look for that, hold <laughs> it, because we do have a little one on COVID in just a bit. But I want to okay. stay in this thread. So the press did find Joe Biden this weekend. He was riding his bike again on I the saw. beaches of South Carolina right at the water's the edge. On the, on, the <laughs> on the feet? No, no. They, they were open-toed. But they did try to stop him for comment. I'm pretty sure that you won't be surprised at uh, the comment that he gave. No. No. <laughs> you gonna come talk to us? No. No. <laughs> and he just kept pedaling. Oh man. No, I don't think I will. Yeah, that's a good, another good one. Leader of the free world, right there. So Kamala Harris uh, had a little bit more of a statement. Uh, well. We all know what her statements are like. Okay, so here's a good one. Next Tuesday, 
So there's an influencer account online. I don't know if you guys had seen it. She's like, uh, she's an Hispanic gal, and she does like a spot on Kamala Harris, like facial. Oh yeah, that is brilliant. Yeah, so we, we've secured a, a state exclusive interview with the uh, oh nice vice president of the United States next Tuesday, following our <laughs> our Cash Patel. De- so we're gonna get super serious with Cash and Devin, and then we're gonna go right into uh, Kamala Harris impersonator for our, our back end guest next Tuesday. Are we gonna interview her as Kamala Harris or as a Kamala Harris impersonator? <laughs> so she asked the same question. She said, "I've never done." any shows and I I don't know if I could stay in character that long. I said, no, what we do when we have on like the meme makers and the influencers and stuff like that, it's like a spotlight for you. But at some point towards the back end of the interview, we'd like you to get into character and then I'll see if I could shoot her some of the questions that are commonly asked the vice president of the United States and see how she can, you know, reciprocate the answers that she usually gives. Nice. Yeah, it should be good. But speaking of word salads, let's hear her uh, talk about the bills that were recently passed this Friday. We know that we really are quite behind in terms of maximizing our collective understanding about how we will engage on the technology of today and what we can quickly and easily predict will be the technology over the next decades. So to maintain our position as the United States of America on this issue, it is critical that we work together to understand where we are, to recognize and have the courage to speak truth about what is obsolete, and then to partner to ensure that we are speaking the same language with the same motivation, inspired by the opportunity of it all, but then doing the work of updating how we have been talking and thinking about our exploration in space. Dude, I it's can't literally, it's literally a little kid's book report. It's not. It's literally a little kid's book report every time, and it never gets better. <laughs> it's so bad. She she was talking about microchips there, believe it or not. What? Like how how are people gonna make fun of you for for sounding like an idiot, and you don't get any better? Like you still talk the same way. You're 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 speechwriter. You fired one speechwriter and replaced it with a person who just plagiarizes the last one <laughs> it's amazing i swear like i said many times i feel like there's like somebody on the inside like secret agent on our side and just sabotaging <laughs> like are we just are we just in the truman show and everybody's just 100%. seeing how much bullshit we're gonna take it's like it gets worse and worse it's, it's almost like it, it's it has to be an act i can't it's like it's like Kamala Harris is actually like her entire staff is just the guys from Impractical Jokers. Yes. Yes. It's so funny, dude. Answer that. Right. Did, did now, you now give Joe Biden a bike? <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's on Google Maps now. Joe Biden oh. fell here. That's so epic. Antoinette, did you pull up those revised CDC guidelines? So I, I found the. Uh, so this is a snippet that was taken from. Uh, NPR, apparently, which is National Communist Radio, I mean, public radio. Um, The new COVID-19 guidance from CDC focuses on individual decisions, which sounds pretty familiar. Like, we just wanted to be able to make our own individual decisions this entire time. Okay, so bullet point number one. Sorry if you were triggered by me using the word bullet, but here we are. Those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I mean, sure. 
unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. Mm. Okay, I've been screaming that one since day one because there's nothing that pisses me off more than seeing the stupid signs that say vaccinated people don't have to wear a mask, but unvaccinated people still, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm all right with that one. And then uh, students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus. Okay, so basically you're saying the students are safe. So why is, for instance, Canada ma- like planning to mask people again? That's another story, though. And it is no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. Weird. All these things. And I guess that was from August 11th of 2022. Yeah, they were just revised last week. Biden's COVID SAR uh, admitted <laughs> this week. They probably had some uh, incorrect messaging on things regarding COVID that directly tie into those things that you just read. Noah, let's hear him uh, elaborate and walk it back. We spent a lot of time talking about six feet of distance, 15 uh, minutes of being together. You know, we realized that's actually not the right way to think about this. That's not the, the kind of the most accurate way to think about this. Um, what we know about this virus, particularly um, these very contagious subvariants that are out there right now, is it's really about the quality of air you're breathing around you in a crowded indoor space with poor ventilation. You can get infected within minutes. If you're outdoors, um, with obviously by definition good ventilation, uh, you can be outside for long periods of time and not get infected. So, mm-hmm. so masking and distance and time of exposure were all bullshit. Well, they admitted they admitted the distance was just um, a random like number that they made up. And it was really not based on any sort of science whatsoever. They're like, well, didn't they? Didn't they literally say we have no idea where that came from? It just miraculously started being used. Yeah, like the six 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 fucking demonic shit too. It's like it's just like so ridiculous at this point, man. Not going to go that far, but okay. And no, something that's in the rearview yeah, mirror. I I thought it was just really weird that it was always that. Like, where did they get that from? You know. I know where they got it from. Oh, scissor me timbers. <laughs> Had to get one in. And we won't be getting it Facts. with our last audio clip of the day. Um, and speaking in a more comfortable environment, Big Dick confirmed now via Carrie Lake. I know you, I know you guys heard it. Did you guys hear it? Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw oh, that. Yeah. I was, I was brilliant. Yeah, Carrie Lake the other day talked about. I hope she'd say dick, though. I was expecting her to actually have said big dick energy, but she, she, she was classier. <laughs> Yeah, like she, she said she wasn't classic. supposed to say balls, but she said it a couple times I mean, anyway. No <laughs> so, no, I, I love her, and, and she was great on Friday. We got a lot of good mm-hmm. feedback about that interview she gave to us and, and just the shifting of gears and, and uniting that ticket. They're doing a great job there. And, and Ron DeSantis has been one of the people that's been now in general election mode helping out her campaign with uh, assisting her in that big public speaking event on Friday. But um, he's talking about, you know, how Florida survived and thrived by not bending the knee to the woke culture throughout the course of, you know, COVID. And then you parlay that into the start of the Biden administration. He was speaking at a recruiting teachers event today and uh, sounded a little bit more confident. Let's hear him. Obviously in the classroom, we battled a lot of ideologies. But what I've said is that the state of Florida is the state, uh, is the place where woke goes to die. Uh, we are not going to let this state. 
We're not going to let this state descend into some type of woke dumpster fire. We're going to be following <laughs> common sense. We're going to be following, um, you know, facts. And that's just really, really important. And you, you could just tell there's just a little more confident presence to his voice when he's down on the ground and uh, rubbing elbows with the blue collar men and women who, uh, you know, help make Florida great. I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of facts that go into there. And, and, and he's, Ron DeSantis has done amazing work in Florida. I like the fact that his state legislation, people like Anthony Sabatini have pushed him to the right of where he might be comfortable being sometimes, but I think at the end of the day, it, it, it's helped him develop into quite, you know, a successful future presidential candidate, uh, of course, after this next general election cycle. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, as we're getting ready to wrap the show today, we'll, uh, you know, continue to track all of these developing stories. I'm sure we'll have some more information and disinformation regarding the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago um, in between the possible return to Washington, D.C. by Joe Biden towards the end of the week. But uh, what do you guys think? Not bad? Pretty good uh, yeah. info today. Great sitting down with Christina Bob. Joe Kent's always a pleasure. And, uh, always a pleasure. Always. I'm going to have to reiterate the fact, too, that... Uh, it was amazing having the whole team together again today. Yay. Yeah, let's do this more often. <laughs> I'd like that. Not a bad way to start the week. What do you guys think? Yeah, really pretty good. Yeah, great guests, great content, great steak for breakfast. If you enjoyed listening to this and want to hear the other 161 episodes of Steak for Breakfast podcast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podad, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, or on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, and we're even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds! Of course, go to our two great guests today, Miss Christina Bob of Save America, and Joe Kent, the Republican nominee for Washington 3. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Hugh White Memes, the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, etc. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners, because when you do that, the only thing it does is help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. I don't know if you guys have heard this. This is like breaking news stay exclusive worth. The Air Lindell's version 2 dropped in the last couple days. What? Yeah. The My Slippers version 2, they're out. <laughs> and if you want to save big on those, you enter promo code STAKE at checkout. If you're more of a morning person, you enter promo code STAKE at checkout at the My Store. And you can get up 25% off My Coffee. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE is the website. MyStore.com forward slash steak is the website as well or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative 1-800-658-8045 the top tier of ear gear and all things audio related can be found at Odyssey. they are the best headphones i've ever worn they have my full total and complete endorsement i advise you to go and make the uh commitment and buy yourself a pair odyssey.com is the website you can find them on facebook and instagram as well stay ready gear holsters if you want a picture of uh let's see Joe Biden riding his bike past the press saying no. They'll throw that on a conceal, carry, Kydex holster, and get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs! Haven't had anything man rubby yet this week, but I probably will. And when I do, because I bought it, shook it, sprinkled it, rubbed it, 
threw it in the cooking apparatus of my choice. And at some point of the day, I'll uh, slather it in barbecue sauce and then right into my mouth. Oh. Num, num, num. Manrubs.com is a website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. New the redesign, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to love the gear they've got going on down there, and you're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. You can find them at mediocremedic.com. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We're going to be back on Friday. We've got a Michigan First edition of Steak for Breakfast. We're going to be sitting down with the Attorney General and Secretary of State nominees, Kristen Caramo and Matt DiPerno. We're also going to be joined by John Gibbs, who's going to be taking his victory lap after his big primary win, looking to represent Michigan 3 in the general election. Next Tuesday, it's going to be a banger. Cash Patel, Devin Nunes, same segment. We're going to get to the bottom of everything you haven't already heard about the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago. In addition to that, everything else that's kind of going on in Trump world. Next Friday, we've got Geisha Montez in to do the news, and we're going to be sitting down for the first time. Amanda Milius just hooked us up this week. Theo Wold, former high-ranking Trump official. She calls him the future Stephen Miller of Stephen Miller's. I liked it. We just chatted actually today during the show. We were texting back and forth. We locked in a date and time. He'll be joining us next Friday. The following week, it's going to be a good one. We're going to be ending August right on the 30th. Back from hidden from the internet. We've got Nor Bin Laden and the Raw Egg Nationalist. Same segment. It's going to be a good one. Nice. So, yeah, and we'll start working on some September dates coming up here soon. Blake Masters, Herschel Walker, Adam Laxalt, Vish Burra, and Julie Kelly are all slated to be joining us very soon on Steak for Breakfast. Friends of the Week. Got a revised list. Our Truth Social Twitch streamers, Beastie Man 420, American Nintendo, CSM Master, Siberian Kitty, and Burger Man. In addition to them, some of the regulars. Real Brenda memes, grand old memes. Namrock coming in for the first time. Venom's account. The Real Meme DeLorean, Richard Ratboy. What I mean to say, good job getting your... Uh, Twitter locked yesterday. I'm glad to see you out of Twitter jail already. Not far out. Machiavelli memes. Hispanics for DeSantis. Some other ones from True Social. Some call me Tim79. And RS, RWS Homelander. Gotta love it. Let's throw the whole rest of the friend zone meme share in there. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday's show. Number one, do your own research. We unpacked a lot for you today. A little bit more than the narrative you're hearing on the uh, legacy news media with both Christina Bob and Joe Kent. You got to do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Noah got some flags today. They might be red flags. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Although Donald Trump wants to lower the temperature of the country right now, he still wants to continue talking about American greatness. We don't talk about it enough. It's time to start talking about it again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 162 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Friday with episode 163. We've got uh, the entire Michigan ticket coming in. Maybe Tudor Dixon will stop by. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Antoinette? Hi, guys. Glad to have everybody back. Thanks for listening. You see what happened?
Wyoming, make sure you get out and vote today and take care. You see what happens when you replace a line. Well, I would say a lamb, but that's an insult to lambs. I'm not really sure what our current president is. I'm not really sure if he realizes what he is. But I know this. In November, we have got to stand on that hill and we have got to declare to America that conservative principles win the day and conservative principles work.